This is the Strength Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. All right, Mr. Bain, here we are, another Strength and Anger interview Yay! coming your way. Um, let's tie up some loose ends before we jump into the interview. Yes. Um, uh, Jackie Stone asked me, was I wearing cowboy boots and shorts at age three, referring back to our last Palooza throwback? Mm-hmm. That is a possibility. I'm not sure that any pictures exist of this. Do you still wear them at age 38? I do not. I don't have any cowboy boots now. Okay. Actually, okay. Um, I think it was. Should we change that, Jackie? Is, it, is that a request? Is that what this is about? Or? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think it was an aversion to having to tie my shoes while I wore cowboy boots. But okay. uh, apparently, there are some images. I should ask my best friend's mom. She plausibly has some uh, Eric Stone uh, cowboy boots and shorts pictures somewhere rolling I, around. I'm not sure if that started at age three, though. That's pretty early. That'd be interesting. Uh, I was told uh, on another podcast that I was a guest on that we are the PBR of a powerless podcast. We are the public broadcast radio. What is – oh, public broadcast yes. radio? Yes. So is, we ba- we sound like a, a – a, uh, Isn't that PBS? PBS. No, it's public broadcasting system. Okay. PBR I thought is like a beer. Yeah, well, we're, we're pretty light, so maybe that's it. Okay, sure, yeah, sure. We're sure. powerless light because neither one of us are on anything. What so. podcast were you on? Uh, I was on the Meathead Mindset with uh, our boy Stan. Oh, okay. At Trainer Stan. Okay, does he have a new podcast? Yeah, yeah. He and Bree sat down. Uh, Everybody sucks just because Bree's got a ton of stuff going on with uh, with work, and uh, Stan wanted to do something else. So he got a new uh, co-host, uh, Dalton Hatch. He's uh, based down in Texas. And so they do interviews with – they've had uh, Grace from uh, Cincinnati and the sweatshop on like three times already <laughs> in the six episodes they've done. Okay. Yeah, so uh, she's filled in a couple times. It was supposed to be me, Dalton, and uh, Stan and Mike Skiba. Skiba got called into work. Uh, very suddenly, so he uh, pulled Grace in, and that was a uh, our discussion was all over the place. Uh, very interesting episode. Grace, uh, I'm sure that I at kn- the Evil Weevils on the Instagrams. Uh, I'll have to look that up. I, I'm sure that if I saw the, f- I'm better with faces. I guarantee you're gonna know who she is. Okay. Um. Yeah. I don't. Th- I'll follow her now. Yeah. She was. Uh. She was at the pro am. Did very well. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. again. I probably know the face from judging at those. And meets. She, she's the gorilla girl. She actually works at the Cincinnati Zoo. Oh, very cool. Yep. I like that. Yep. Um, and we talked about uh, the Larry Pacifico accident yeah, last week. We um, and I follow the Bill Pearl. I don't know if Bill Pearl actually runs the Facebook page or if it's just run by his estate. But mm-hmm. on the Bill Pearl Facebook page, which is a good follow, has some good like like historical write-ups mm-hmm. about people in strength sports. Yes. Um, they had one on Larry Pacifico. And I- I'm just going to assume this is true because it, it fits with what you talked about. It said... Mm-hmm. Larry retired from competitive lifting in 1985 following a freak accident that ended his career when replacing a heavy bench press. He chopped off a finger. Yeah, so it kind of gives you some flashbacks to uh, Blaine Sumner and her, when he got hurt uh, mm-hmm. squatting. And so it's always a good idea to have really competent spotters around you. 
Yeah, I mean, even then, some when some sometimes when you do not when you do have good spotters, yeah, it, sometimes I mean, just things can happen. happen. But yeah, so but it uh, you know behooves you to try to have uh, as much safety around you as possible, especially yeah. when you're dealing with the weights some of these guys are. And Larry was, I mean, Larry Pacifico was a phenomenal lifter in his day, and uh, unfortunately, a career cut short. Yeah, I mean, and I think our Palooza throwback last week for some was from 1986, if I'm not mistaken. So right after that happened. Then. Yeah, so that would have been right after that. He was still you know kind of big into the the mail order business mm-hmm. and sounded like he'd run a couple of uh, fitness centers in addition to that, um, then, but was done with his lifting at that point. Yeah. Other than that, Mr. Bain, what is going on? All right. Well, uh, we announced it that I was going to be at the showdown of the storm, so I fly out uh, Wednesday, which is two days from this recording for that. Very excited for uh, for that meet, and uh, then I'll be in Vegas in a couple weeks, and uh, very excited to be back in my uh, my second home, basically, is, uh, is Las Vegas. So. What's going on in Vegas? Uh, we're actually going for Nicole's birthday. Ah, very yeah, good. Yeah, very excited for this. So we're She's turning 30? Uh, she is turning less than 40, okay. I'll say. So, okay, perfect. Uh, yeah, so we'll be out there. We'll do some shows. Uh, it is, as of June 1st, Vegas is completely open. Uh, no restrictions, no masks. So we will be doing full Vegas weekend, which I'm very excited for. So, Stone, what's going on with you? Uh, you know, last weekend we had a great beginner's meet. Mm-hmm. Sounded um, like it. You know, and we, we talked about this a little bit in our interview. We'll, we'll cut to with Peter Royo, but uh, there may be enough there to just even go over what we've been doing there and, and talk about our experience working with beginners. There mm-hmm. might be enough for an episode there. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know, like, how better to sell it. Um, I mean, w- this year we will probably have four sold-out beginners meets. That's amazing. In the last three to four years, pretty much every beginners meet that we've run has been sold out. Now, granted, we limit it to... 30 to 35 people. Do, so you th- do you think if I do the beginners meet, I'll place well? <laughs> you know, that actually spurred on another idea that it seems like people want to do the beginners meet again. So maybe mm-hmm. we need like a next level meet yeah. before the, the, the state the, meet. The novice meet, I think is what we yeah. Yeah. I mean, they used to run back in the era we've talked about before. Like in the 80s, they did run novice meets. In fact, one of our judges, Paul Rupright, talked about how, you know, there used to be novice meets for new lifters. And he said, you know, I like how you guys do this because there's no beginning point for new lifters without right. that right. but maybe we need like a midpoint like beginners meet then there's the novice meet and then you progress to a state meet yeah. or uh you know a summer bash or a, a raw power challenge so uh, but it was a good event i mean if anybody any and I, i'll say anybody but i would say specifically apf meet directors out there state chairman especially those that own a gym mm-hmm. um I think this is a great concept that somebody else should be that I think that everybody in the APF that's got the capability should be doing. I mean, it's a great starting point for lifters in your organization and our organization. Yeah. Um, It's a good marketing tool. Even if you just have a gym, like to get people into the gym, we've had many members and clients that have come from the beginners meets and uh, you know, it's, it's a concept that I think sells well. I mean, it, and, and honestly, you can take this a couple different ways. You can, because I know we've done the women's empowerment meet, which is uh, similar to a beginner's meet. Yeah. And, you know, we an, did a, an we intro did to a, powerlifting. And, yeah, we did a seminar in February associated with the yeah. women's empowerment meet. And you, and you can also segue this into, like, maybe 18 intro to powerlifting or beginner's meet, where you can have basically all high schoolers. Sure. Uh, again, depending on where, where you're at or what market you serve. You could also have on the flip side of that, you could have a master's-only beginner's meet. So those who are just starting their fitness journey, but, hey, this might be something they'd be interested in. Again, maybe not as many people want to compete at you know, 40 plus, but it be just, again, you can do this however you want. I think it's a really, to your point, it's a really cool marketing tool that you can use however you want to. Yeah. And, and again, I think probably the reluctance is that it is a smaller meet. And so, 
you know, as a meat director, you make money with volume. Yeah. And so you're like, well, by limiting the number of lifters, am I still going to be able to make the same kind of money? And I'd say maybe not as much, but I don't look at it just as a single day event. I look at it as a, a long, long, longer term marketing tool, again, for future events, for the gym, for yeah, the APF. For future members for the gym, for the, the federation, I mean, kind of everything. Yeah. Um, other than that, Mr. Bain, we don't have our, our button here. Sorry, we we've, don't. We've moved the Strength and Anger Studios back temporarily, but what is fake news? <laughs> very fake, very, very rude. Uh, UFOs are fake news, and here's why. <laughs> oh, man. These fucking things have been identified for decades. We've known that we are not alone in the universe for 70 fucking years. It's just finally now the government's acknowledging it. And, like, I get all these little pop-ups on either the Googles or the Yahoos. I'm talking about, oh, there's this UFO outside of Florida. Yeah, guess what? There's a lot of weird fucking shit in Florida. It happens. Same thing in California, man. Like, don't... To me, this is not newsworthy. It's simply just, hey, how much do we know? That's the only thing that is newsworthy. Everyone's known about this. And if you think that we're, we are alone in the universe, you're stupid. Hmm. I, you know, I'm not saying they aren't UFOs, but is there also <laughs> a plausibility that this is just, like, government doing experiments and... They don't want to admit it yet. Like, let's let's rewind, like, stealth fighters. Sure. Like, let's rewind, like, 100 years or maybe, I don't know. Whenever they were doing experiments and beta testing stealth fighters, sure. when they were flying around, that might look like a UFO sure. to someone that doesn't know what they are. So what's the, how much of this is, like, aliens and how much is, you know. Aliens. And yeah, how much is, you know, government experimenting? Not just ours, maybe China, maybe Russia. Oh, I, I fully believe that, yes, there is some government exper- experimenting. I also believe a lot of it is reverse engineering. One of the things I heard when I, I always debated this in my head, like, is there extraterrestrial life? You know, is, and I know this is way off the topic of powerlifting, but I think it's incredibly arrogant of us as a species to think we are the only thing in the whole universe. And so that, to me, just logically, there is something else out there. What that may be, I don't know. Can all those, you know, beings travel to our planet? More than likely not. But I also can't fathom the idea that no one else can. If we figured out how to get to the moon, I have to assume that others have figured out how to get even farther. Hmm. That's just me. What do I know? Stone, what is fake news? Five guys is fake news. Um, it's, now, when you say five guys, are you talk about a rough Saturday or the restaurant? No, the, the, the burger joint. Got it. Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't it, go that way typically. <laughs> you know, typically. Uh, typically. Typically. Yeah. Uh, you know, you never know. But uh, five guys as a as See, a you got as over, a top, over eight hundred pound squat. That's five five guys. As a top tier uh, burger place is mm-hmm. not only overrated but overpriced. And I, I'm not going to say my experience there was bad. But people talk about it like it's some kind of like the greatest burger place they've ever been to. Um, first of all, I paid f- almost $50 for myself and two children. We had three burgers. We had one order of fries and three drinks. That's 50 bucks. Do you get the Cajun fries at least? They don't have Cajun fries there. Yes, they do. Well, this one didn't look like Bogus. an offer to me. Bogus. It was just fries. Um, secondly, the bun there, average like an average bun like I get from Jewel for like a barbecue for my son, you sure. know, for my son's party. Mm-hmm. Um, American cheese? Really? Like American well, cheese? This is America, Eric. Um, you know, the, 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 the burger patty was good. The, you know, the toppings were good. Um, I, and, and again, everyone talked big about their fries. I would say fries overrated as well. Like not the, bad. Their regular fries are very average incredibly average everyone talks like they're great their cajun fries are fire 
I'm okay. a Maybe big it, fan of the Cajun fries. I, I didn't see that there, but, you know, again, I'm trying to have two children order and me order. So sure. Maybe I just missed to- that. Totally get that. I, I agree with you in that it, it is overpriced. I think the price point is totally out of line. Uh, I like their food, but based on that price point, I am inclined to agree that it is overrated. Yeah, I, I'm not saying it's bad. I liked the food I ate. It was tasty. Um, but if it had cost $30 instead of $50, I would have felt a lot better about yeah. it. So I will rave about one one burger place ever, and that is Bebop's. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. That, that used to be like a Midwest-wide chain, or at least you know around you know, Iowa, Minnesota, I think parts of Illinois. Uh, I believe there's only one restaurant left in Ames, Iowa, and Bebop's is absolute fire. I would punch a small child to eat their food. Yikes. Yeah. Well, you know, what are you going to do? But, ah, God, I am so excited for this one. We have the return of Stone Stories, and we have a legend. This isn't a story. This is a legend of (laughs) huge and I, I, I'm kind of hoping, because you were part of this story, Mr. Bain. Yep, I'm going to go back through and find these so conversations, baby. I, I'm kind of hoping that you can like shed some light onto some of these, because you were definitely a part of this. Oh, yeah. I, was definitely, um, I, I instigated some things in there. That's not wrong. Yeah. So, okay. Let, let's rewind. This is, gosh, probably, I don't know, a year ago at least? I mean, because yeah, it, it, was, it was Nationals last year when, and right around that time frame. Okay. So, probably last and when we reopened, so last summer, I'm guessing, right? This yep. was this was post pandemic. Yeah, so sometime in around uh, between June and August. Okay, yeah, we'll say around June this last year. Um, I get a call early on a s- Sunday morning, which is the the day that Team Stone typically mm-hmm. squats, and a guy says, "Hey, I'm looking for a place to train. I want a team to train with. You know, I I I've competed, but I want to get better. Blah blah blah." And I said, "Well, here's the days we trained. We trained Sunday morning squats at eight. Mm-hmm. And it was already eight. 815. Um, we do deadlifts Wednesday at 5, 530. We bench Fridays, 5, 530. He said, oh, you guys squat this morning? You're squatting this morning? I said, yeah. Yes. He said, can I come in? I said, sure. Not thinking you'd actually come in. And he's there in 20, 25 minutes. Um, he's, you know, I would say a meathead from mm-hmm. first impressions, but not, not didn't seem like a bad guy when I first met him. More or less follows the program, what everyone's doing. Um, we were following conjugate at that point. So Everybody on our rack was basically doing the same thing, doing the same max effort movement, mm-hmm. and he just followed along with that, basically. Um, some of the gems that he said during this workout, not of all of which I heard, but as talking to one of our members, he told him, I don't drink protein shakes for the protein. I drink it for the, brand, for the BCAAs, among other gems during that he stated during the workout. Um, and I guess the, the the answer would be like, why not just drink a BCAA drink? But whatever. Yeah. What do you, what do you guys know? So uh, that particular week, our teammate Ms. Gimmel Jan was not there. Um, she was back the next week, and you know this was his second week training with us, and uh, you know he was kind of bragging to her about his lifting prowess, <laughs> um, bragging about his state record bench. Um, yeah. She was not impressed um, and talked about how at one point she had all the state records in her, you know, weight category. Um, he was talking about his state record bench press, but now he's going to set all the records in the squat. Sure, 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 sure. Um, during that workout, uh, again, it was a max effort workout, so we're working up to a top double or single or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it got to, to her last set, and he said, well, if you get this set, I'll buy you a steak dinner. Oh, boy. Here we go. And so he got it, or she got it. She mm-hmm. got Jen. Jennifer got her last set, and so I guess presumably he was going to buy her a steak dinner. That um, was what they said. After about two or three workouts, he already had Team Stone 
in his Instagram bio. I, I think it was after the first one, man. Yeah, I mean, because he, yes, it was after one or two. I mean, he only trained with us, I would say, maybe total five or six times, max. Yeah, half dozen at the most. Right. Um, his Instagram profile, which was at huge package, and huge was with a Y, and there might have been an underscore in there. Mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. You can't look him up now. His Instagram has been gone. Yeah. Uh, but his Instagram also claimed that he was, quote, undefeated in MMA. Which technically I am, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back so to as, that. As are you, sir. We'll come back to that a little bit later. Right. Um, and, and, I mean, Mr. Bain, I don't ever claim to be, like, the number one expert in anything. Like, I know some things. I have mm-hmm. a good amount of experience, but I try not to be too boastful in what I am or what I do. Sure. This individual, and, and it's not to say that, you know, having a college degree makes you smart, but he certainly did not have a college degree. His experience level was fairly low, mm-hmm. and for his experience level in education, his opinion of his knowledge was, I say, fairly high. What, what was the post we made a few? Well, you made a few months ago about when you have this uh, messed up, basically skewed view of your knowledge of a subject. Oh, I can't remember exactly. Downing, uh, hold on, Downing no. current effect or something, something like, like that. Yeah, but we, you just have this. This very skewed view of your your prowess and your expertise. Well, and it's and often those that have lower knowledge yeah, and lower experience that have a higher opinion of their knowledge. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So that would definitely fit him a hundred percent. And so he was talking to other members about how you know how much he knew about training and how much he knew about nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, he, I mean, he was coming to us presumably to get coaching and get experience in powerlifting, but you know w- was very sure of himself. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. Um, we were gone sometime in the next week or so. We went to Florida. Was that in August, I believe? It was for yeah. AAPF and APF Nationals. Yeah, we went to Florida for Nationals. Which, which we've talked about, one of the funnest meets of all time. And this uh, situation was one of the things that led to so much fun. Oh, my gosh. So uh, I can't exactly remember, like, what prompted this. Uh, maybe it was Jen posting a selfie down in Florida, I believe, I believe. it was her selfie, yes. Yeah, she posted a selfie of herself um, and maybe a picture of a steak you made for her. Uh, very possible. And then he responded with, well, when you get back to Chicago, I'm going to take you out to Cooper's Hawk for a steak dinner. Sure, 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 sure. Um, and you, myself, um, some of our teammates back in Chicago started posting back and forth, back and forth. We them, went in. Back and forth that, you know, Cooper's Hawk wasn't going to do it. Nope. You better take him to better take it, take. take it to Gibson's. You need to have Gibson's tomahawk steak with the 22-ounce minimum lobster tail. Uh, Johnny sh- Walker Blue. Double shots of Johnny Walker Blue all night and the chocolate cake. And one of our teammates, Dixie, posted that uh, Jen was free on Friday night. And when could you pick her up? Yeah. Yep. Um, so, And this this is part of, yes, yeah, so when we were down in Florida, we were just literally laughing our ass off as we were posting on this Instagram thread. And as we each got alerts of others back in Chicago posting on it, we're like, oh, my God, we just keep digging this deeper. Yes, because there were some in Chicago posting. We were posting. Um, and then he was responding to all of them. He was responding to all of them. He obviously had nothing to do. Oh, I should add that part of the reason why his Instagram profile was, quote, huge package was that he was a, was, is a package delivery driver for a popular uh, package delivery company. That, that dresses in brown. That dresses in brown. We'll just leave it at that. Yep. Um, <laughs> and once we get back, um, after many, many postings back and forth oh, on, yeah. you know, Jen getting taken out for a steak dinner, 
Um, she sees him at the next Sunday workout because he's basically only coming to squat workouts. Okay. And she says, hey, you can take me out after the workout today. Let's go to Brick House where a local bar, you know, that we go to here, one of our – Place we frequent sometimes. Yeah, one of our members is a bartender there. So Mm -hmm. we often will go there for brunch post-squats on Sunday. And so a huge package believes he's taking Jen out for a one-on-one date. Mm. Uh, not not Max Effort Brunch. Not Max Effort Brunch, which is uh, when he shows up, he saw that the whole crew was there. And he was a little taken aback, um, we'll and say. And then? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, during this, during, <clears throat> during this brunch, I mean, once again, just like his I only drink protein for the BCAAs, I, I'm probably forgetting some of the comments he made. Dude, there um, were so many. I mean, the next training session – you guys spent 35 minutes going through all the different uh, one-liners. Let's just go through one of them um, because I think Jen was kind of <clears throat> poking at him saying, hey, when are you going to actually get on a, a real training cycle from right, Eric? Right. And he said, well, you know, I'm not ready for a training cycle right now. First, I need to make sure I get on some growth and insulin <laughs> before, before I can get on a training cycle. Jesus. And, you know, all of us are kind of taken aback like, wow. You're like, We're not talking about, you know, anabolics here. We're talking about – Insulin and growth. Like this is yeah. Like wow. And uh, one of our one of our members, Georgie, not on the gram, says, "Wow, insulin. You better have some glucose tabs ready just in case." Quote: I know what I'm doing with this stuff. Like, sure, 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 sure. Like okay, no problem, Chief. Um, he made a bunch of other bombastic comments. One of our other teammates, Stacy, like was sitting. We'll say like he was at the head of the table. She was sitting in the next seat over. Mm-hmm. Like she was physically turned the opposite direction. By the end of the brunch, because she just <laughs> didn't want to listen to him anymore. Oh, Mula, I love you. <laughs> and he's talking about how he's got his nutrition so freaking dialed in, like so dialed in that he needs to be already th- dialed in that he needs to be taking growth and insulin. Meanwhile, for lunch, he had an entire order of calamari to himself. That was his lunch. Jeepers. And ordered chicken and waffles to go. And again, that's what I had for for brunch. And I'm not saying my my nutrition's super dialed in. I'm also not talking about you know taking insulin because yeah. my nutrition is so dialed in. Yeah. Um, so he leaves before we're done because we stayed there a while, and he pays the tab for himself and Jen. Proceeds to give our friend Danny, who's a bartender slash server there, a less than ten percent tip. That is the small dick energy no one needs. Uh, you know, I mean, granted, like. He doesn't know her. We usually would tip her very well, but I, I would say for average. Regardless, of this service. 15% is, is probably standard unless yes. it's bad service, and the service was good. So we actually paid a little extra cash to her for his tip because it was ridiculous. Yeah, small package. <laughs> small package, right. So uh, let's fast forward a little bit. During the next week, before the next training session, in fact, I'm – Fairly certain it was a Thursday because typically Thursdays I have my daughter Alice with me, and mm-hmm. then in the middle of the day I take her to the park. I either walk around the track there or I sit on social media. So mm-hmm. I, uh, the previous day, uh, our member Dixie had done some three plus three squats where we were doing dynamic squats, and we did a set of three with bands and then take the bands off another set of three. Right. Or maybe it was chains. doesn't matter. And she often, when she makes uh, training posts, she'll have some kind of like – Funny caption. In this, mm-hmm. t- in this caption, she said, six is too many. Mm-hmm. Well, huge package responds with, oh, I'm going to quote this one. Oh, uh, uh, it was after this one. But he said, basically, six is the perfect amount of reps. Um, now you can eat whatever you now want. Now you can eat whatever you want. Here, here's one of his uh, posts. Quote, um, 
you basically don't have to do any cardio for the rest of the week due to being at six reps. Like your body is repairing and rebuilding itself right now because you actually tore the muscle. You burn more calories repairing and rebuilding the muscle than doing cardio. You're burning fat 24 seven now after hitting this amount of reps. Bro, you can basically eat whatever you want and not get fat now. <laughs> that particular post started an entire conversation between him, myself, Dixie, who made the post, and one of our other teammates, Stacy. Mm-hmm. It's hard to describe, like, the turn it took, but it basically, you know, Dixie responded with, you know, hey, I think I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'm getting my degree in nursing, and that's kind of when it took a turn for the worse. Oh, boy. He basically said, like, that means nothing. You don't know nothing about anything. Um, at one, <laughs> do, you, po- do you have your husband's permission to be speaking, woman? <laughs> right. At one point, he started talking about that Dixie was, quote, married to the government, and that in order to find a proper wife, you can't marry a Western woman. You have to go to a third world country to find a proper wife that, you know— can be the type of wife he wants. And him and Dixie and, and Stacy kind of just like literally were going at it. And I was watching this, not posting, texting the two of them, telling Dixie, please stop posting and just bomb this thread. This has gone like way off the deep end. It got to the point where he basically just deleted his Instagram account yep. after the two of them went after him so much. <laughs> I mean, and also never came back to the gym. Never came back to the gym. Imagine that. It's hard to describe how far off track this went. I mean, this is the type of stuff that if I had screenshots, and I don't have screenshots of all of it. And and I was looking for mine. I might have deleted these, unfortunately. I I don't have all of them, and it's almost too much to even post. Uh, Yeah. But if we had screenshots of this and sent it to his employer, Big Brown Delivery Company. Oh, he'd be fired in a heartbeat. He would be fired. That's how bad these comments were. Yep. Um, yeah, he never went back to the gym, uh, unsurprisingly. We never heard back from Huge Package, which I also believe there was some comments about um, his said handle and mm-hmm. his perhaps said prowess. Um, his or, or lack thereof. His lack of tipping ability and lack of mathematic skills. Not um, even just the tipping ability. <laughs> uh, let's fast forward now. Yeah. So Huge Package is gone. Um, this post like went way off the deep end. Um, but shortly thereafter, a, a couple months later, one of my clients, Wendy, she says, "Hey, she's like, do you know this guy? Insert his name. I won't say his actual name. Huge package. Yeah. Do you know this guy? Huge package. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. And she's like, does he train with you guys? And I'm like, well, I'm like, he trained with us like there's, a half dozen times. There's a whole story. To I said, there's a whole story there. And she's like, well, yeah. I had a screenshot of his Instagram profile, and it said Team Stone Powerlifting. Mm-hmm. And I started cracking up laughing. I told her this story. She proceeded to tell me that her brother, who trains at an MMA jiu-jitsu gym mm-hmm. in Naperville, Plainfield. I can't remember exactly where. In that sure. area. Sure. Um, huge Package also frequented that gym and was kicked out for offering to box dudes there and offering to actually fight them when it was supposed to be like a training session. And his, quote, undefeated <clears throat> MMA fight was against a guy that had maybe had like two or three MMA workouts. Jesus. And it was so... I think her brother actually found footage of this fight. He said it was so terrible, he said it almost looked like it was like a WWE fixed fight. That's how bad it looked. Wow. And that was his quote, undefeated in MMA. Well, 
like I said, I, I, I'm also undefeated. So, you know, hey, you know, huge. If you ever happen to listen to the show, let's throw it down. He never will. No, he will not. So that is the legend of Huge Package. We're oh, probably yeah. not doing justice to all the thi- all we, the intricacies of the story. We may need a follow-up from uh, Dr. Jennifer Gimmel to uh, give us all those ins and outs. Because that, that thread from Florida was just, I mean, solid gold. Rolling on the ground laughing. Jonathan Chung getting stuck between furniture and the wall. Yeah, that's how that's how crazy <laughs> it was. But let's move on, Mr. Bain. That's, yeah, enough, yeah, that's yeah. enough on Mr. Huge Package. Yeah, small package. Very, very um, our hot topic of the day, which comes from uh, your former co-host... Quote, steroid use should never be encouraged in powerlifting. That was the hot take. Yep. Thoughts? To me, it depends on what your goals are. And and what I mean by that is, do not take this, this is my disclaimer, as strength and anger and Eric Stone, Robert Bain, promoting the usage of steroids by any individual with no, and like there's no ramifications. You'll actually hear a little bit in our interview that there can be some very fairly serious ramifications. But what I would say is, just like with anything, the more education you can get on it, I feel is is better. As a for instance, we say even educating people is potentially promoting it. That's the same logic that some people like to use to say we shouldn't do any type of sex education for kids. Which I disagree with. I think there should be some level of it, whether it is from the parents, from another institution. Just letting people just run blindly into that can lead to some very serious consequences. And, and I see, feel the same way with performance-enhancing drugs, depending on what your goals are. If your goal is to be the strongest, drug-tested, all-natty, never taking a, a PED in your life, so be it. By the way, realistically, the only person that's going to know and care is you. If your goal is to be the strongest human of all time, unless you are somehow so superiorly genetically gifted that you can take down these, these folks that do uh, this type of uh, additional enhancement, it's probably going to be on your radar at some point. And by the way, if you're a guy uh, approaching 40 to 45 to 50 years old, just testosterone in general is probably going to be on your radar. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, the concept that it should never be encouraged, I think that is more pushing an individual's values on that. Now, should it be encouraged for young people? No. Should young people be educated on it? I believe so, because they should be able to make their own decision. And if our concern is that young people can't make good decisions, well, I think that's probably a bigger call-out of our ability to explain and educate versus the young people themselves. So, Stone, what do you feel about steroids should ever be encouraged in powerlifting? Well, again, you know, words matter, and I guess it depends on what you mean by encouraged. Mm -hmm. Does encouraged mean, like, posting, like, you know, steroids are great, you should take them? Eh, Probably not. But does it mean that we should not have drug-tested meats and divisions because that, quote, encourages drug use? That I would woefully disagree with. Um, So it depends on what they actually mean. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure it should be, like, promoted and encouraged, but I do think, as you said, we should educate. We should go in with eyes wide open and realize that, gosh, steroids have been part of this sport and sports in general basically since their invention. And has been a really, actually, a kind of big part of strength sports. And you could say that's terrible, but it just that, is. That's your moral compass, not mine. That just kind of is what it is. And I think, uh, as we've talked about many times before, I think Ernie Franz and the APF had it right, uh, starting an organization which did not drug test because he felt, hey, I know what I'm using. I know it's not right for me to beat the drug test, even though I know I could, and many do. I think what's moral and what's right is to 
be honest about it. Yeah. And eventually he added the AAPF. So those that don't want to partake in that have a platform with similar rules, the same rules, um, and don't need to take performance enhancers. Right. Um, or just, you know, those that don't want to be drug tested. So uh, encouraged, I guess it depends on what you mean by encouraged. Yeah, and, and I think just from what I saw with those in the thread on, on the, the comment on that hot, hot take, was that some individuals felt that just even educating on them was promotion and that it was just a very fine line. You had to be super careful. Like, yeah, that, you have to do it with anything. Sure. Yeah, I don't think education is promotion. That would be like saying we shouldn't teach about Nazi Germany because that would be promoting Nazism. Right, and that's simply not the case. And, in yeah. fact, I would say the opposite is true. The fact if you don't teach about what has happened in the past mm-hmm. with things like that, if we don't teach about how you know, uh, communism rose and killed millions of people in the Soviet Union, yeah. then we're liable to repeat some of those same mistakes in the future. Agreed. And, and also uh, personal anecdotal stories regarding performance answers are not promotion. In some cases, they are the warning. Yeah, say, here's what I did. Here's what happened to me. Yeah. You should, if you want to do it, be wise. Here are yeah. possible consequences. I, I got real strong. I also almost fucking died. Yeah, yeah. No or doubt. I got real strong, but other aspects of my life were different or unique, or I had to be very secretive. And so, like, again, if you're going to do it, just be honest about it. Don't compete in drug test federations while you're on stuff. And be smart and educate yourself. Yes. E- educate yourself. Okay, Mr. Bain, on to our Palooza throwback. Throwback, throwback, throwback. We're going back to January 1999. We're going to party like it's 1999. (laughs) Uh, What were you doing, Mr. Bain, in January 1999? I would have just gotten my driver's license, and I would have been junior in high school. Uh, If you've listened to some older episodes, you heard about an incident I had my sophomore year, and I actually got kicked off the soccer team, so I was fighting to get back onto the soccer team, even though no one cares about soccer. Uh, yeah, that was kind of the highlights of January 1999. Uh, Stone, what were you doing? Uh, I would have been a sophomore in high school. Sophomore. Uh, I started lifting, you know, again, after my freshman year, which would have been basically the previous probably November, December. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have been around that time starting to look to compete in powerlifting. Did my first meet about a year later in February of 2000. Nice. So that we were both in the, the high school years back then. But what was going on in powerlifting in 1999? Let's let Palooza throw us. Um, we've got on the cover, we've got Andrew, quote, Bull Stewart at Wobble Worlds. Um, a guy, I actually heard the name quite a bit. I never had really looked into him before. Um, at this particular meet, uh, 1999 Wobble Worlds, uh, it looked like this was his last meet, at least according to Open Powerlifting. Oh, wow. He pulled a Wobble World record of 804 pounds at 275. Nice. He had been competing, though, since 1986. When I was four. Wow. Primarily competing ADFPA and WDFPF, mm-hmm. um, which uh, ADFPA would become the USAPL. Ew. And WDFPF would go basically Belly up. into obscurity. Well, they're still round. Um, he had best lifts of 850 squat, 520-pound bench, wow. and an 830-pound deadlift at, uh, I think those top lifts are at 275, but... He competed at 242 and 275. Oh, mostly single ply, correct? Mostly single ply, yeah. although I'm sure a lot of those early ones were, were raw bench. Right. Uh, looks like this particular one looks like it's a single ply squat suit wobble. Right. Um, 
He now has a couple of fitness centers in Washington State and is an AAU meet director. Nice. So still in, still involved in powerlifting to this day from what I looked like uh, on, on the the Instas and on the Google machine. Even though we don't know, know him personally, maybe he'd be an interesting interview just to talk about some of those uh, those times back then. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he looked like, you know, he was really involved in uh, the ADFPA back in the 80s and, and, and early 90s. Um, obviously, it looked like he then he kind of switched over to AAU, at which he still runs meet with now. So yeah. maybe he was not in favor of the uh, Very maybe the IPF uh, affiliation of the ADFPA, which would be then become the USAPL. Right. Um, the Wobble Worlds uh, had their meet results in this episode, uh, or in this issue, excuse me. Uh, there's not really anything of note there. I mean, uh, Bull Stewart is probably the most notable lifter mm-hmm. there. They did have over 500 lifters at this meet. That's a lot of lifters. And this was kind of peak wobble, and wobble stands for World Associations of Bench Pressers and Deadlifters. Mm-hmm. It was a bench deadlift only run by Gus Rethwich, still is, who you know ran the Hawaii Record Breakers back in the early mid-'80s. Um, was an APF guy when it started, um, but at some point just started to get rid of the squat and just run bench deadlift meets. Yeah. And they were very popular for in the early 2000s, late 90s. Um, he had a good marketing method. Basically, if you placed, quote, top three in any wobble meet, you qualified for worlds. Oh, wow. So basically his entire, like, you know, meet calendar, all – he did run a nationals, but it didn't really matter. Like, everything revolved around getting people to worlds. He would right. always run it in Vegas. Um, it'd be a big meet. He'd get a lot of people there. There's a lot Ooh, of categories. Big, big meat in Vegas. Yeah. I, so it, basically their entire calendar revolved around that big wobble worlds gotcha. um, later in the year. Um, there was an article called The Power of Steroids <laughs> by Derek W. Cornelius. Not to be um, confused by with Dennis Cornelius, current uh, USAPL powerlifter. Part two. And so there was two parts, maybe three. Uh, might be worth uh, going back and looking at both parts together to see exactly what Derek had to say. Because um, I, I did skim so through the steroids article. Steroids by MK. Uh, that's not really what it said. No. Um, in <laughs> fact, there was a disclaimer that said taking some of the substances in this article might have you fail a drug test in a drug tested organization. Um, it might so be worth looking it, at both parts of that. Is that not promotion of steroid use? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> uh, there was an article by Doug Daniels who had the monthly column called Start Out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had one on tips on squatting. Nice. And one of the main, you know, things he talked about there is, you know, how do you determine your squat stance? You know, should you be wide like some of the people are in a canvas squat suit? Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically said it's something you really need to experiment with. And if you want to change your squat stance, you need to give it some time. You can't just change and then assume immediately it's going to yield results. You know, you need to give it a training cycle, a couple right. months. Right. Um, it, it's an interesting topic. I mean. How does one determine their squat stance? I would say, you know, it depends on your limb length, depends on your hip width, mm-hmm. depends on your mobility, depends on if you're raw and equipped. If you're equipped, probably wider. Um, there's a lot of things that go into. Sometimes as a coach, it's just something I go by, go by feel and how somebody looks mm-hmm. on their on their stance width. I don't know that I always have like a, a formula for it. It's more just watching somebody and look how they look. I think it, you know, from my perspective, not as a, as seasoned a coach as you are. I think definitely there's some. Uh, some nuance to it when it comes to just watching somebody's biomechanics and, like, you know, basically th- this looks right and you look strong doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was results from the 1998 WPC Worlds, mm-hmm. uh, but the first half of an article by Herb Glossbrenner. Good old Herb. Um, of the Glossbrenner formula. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, uh, a full report in the next month's issue, and uh, this might be something that's worth spinning off 
into its own episode? I think so. Uh, this was apparently the, quote, takeover attempt by Carl Smith. Um, I, I believe I heard stories about from Ernie Franz. This supposedly where they wanted to assassinate Ernie. That's uh, insane. I, I need to do a little bit more research on this, but this was that instance, uh, mm-hmm. the, the 1998 WPC Worlds, which was November 1998 in mm-hmm. Austria. Mm-hmm. Um, Carl Smith, meet director. Um, there was also a letter in that same issue from Ernie Franz, and it mentions the WPC Council. Mm-hmm. And if you've been listening to us for a while, you've probably heard me talk about the WPC Committee, which L.B. Baker and Jim Rausch separated themselves out in the mm-hmm. mid-early mid 2000s, later would become the GPC, Global Powerlifting Committee. I didn't know this was something that had happened before. Um, I don't think they actually ended up forming the WPC, World Powerlifting Council, but mm-hmm. it sounded like at this time that Carl Smith and company were, were talking about separating from the D- WPC, World Powerlifting Congress, that Ernie Franz started. Um, but again, it sounds like there might be enough meat on the bone for an entire episode on. Uh, I think there might be the 1998 WPC incident. Mm-hmm. Um, there was even a note in the same issue from the Power Hotline. It was a quote: "The Power Hotline we talked about last week. We did. It essentially was a bi-monthly, two times a month, like newsletter, kind of like a blog where it talked about you know the hot." Gossip basically going on in powerlifting. Right. Um, it was the Instagram of that day. Right. And there was a note on the WPC versus WPC controversy, some worlds, um, quoting the power hotline. Jeez. So it seems like there's there's some things to go through there. And I've got a couple people I messaged that said, yeah, give me some time and I'll get back to you and, and give you a little bit more context. Oh, boy. Uh, there was an article by Louis Simmons, Bands and Chains. He didn't invent them, but he knows how to use them. Uh, it's kind of, I mean, this is, again, this is 99, so this is when Westside is really starting to become popular, but he does talk about how to set up chains, you know, use the leader chains, you should always have some chains on the ground, it shouldn't all be heavy chains, talks about hookup bands. Um, I did notice that it didn't seem like the bands were hooked up like they are now, like it was basically just choked under the monolith, it Mm -hmm. wasn't with an extra 4x4 as they would later use to make sure the, the tension was... Not consistent, but there was always tension on the bands, right? As usually is what is recommended now. Um, on some of the pictures, it looked like the bands were totally loose at the bottom. Oh wow! Um, which is not what they recommend now. Yeah, it'd be um, a, little, a little scary. Uh, you know, I know even Barzine has talked about doing that on the bench and having a very heavy band tension and having it almost be totally loose at the bottom and then really catching at the top for high reps. Um, but not how Westside would eventually recommend I, it. I would say as. Barzine tends to do, you know, he's going to keep that fairly light too. He his his one of his concepts of training, especially in the off season, is make lightweights hard. Sure. I would say that Westside is not going to do that. Yeah, I mean, he talked about Louis talked about using both bands and chains for both dynamic effort work and max effort work. He did say be careful with bands um, because of the extra eccentric loading. You can overdo it, mm-hmm. and he did spell overdo like that, Mr. Bain, D-U-E, not D-O. Oh, boy, Louis. Um, I'm, you know, I don't know what kind of editing they had on powerlifting. That's your vocabulary, not mine. Um, I would say bands are something I do recommend people rotate in and out because they can, heavy band tension, especially on bench, can be kind of hard on the elbows and shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, it does is something you need to kind of rotate in and out with. I, I like to alternate between bands and chains. Um and it did seem like, you know, it was kind of the usual West Side recommendations on, you know, 
using lighter band tension for dead egg effort work and then, you know, adding some heavier tension for uh, max effort work. Mm -hmm. So um, there was an interesting article from Bill Nichols, a Franz lifter, and it was titled, Did You Ever Wonder? And it was kind of like, did you ever wonder how top lifters, you know, got to the top, basically. Sure. And Bill Nichols, uh, I did not look up his stats. Maybe we could another time. But, uh, you know, was a guy that kind of left Franz, I think, as I was starting there. Um, I believe a 1,000-pound squatter. But I did like his uh, his acronym of CTRM. And he talked about all these different uh, aspects of his training um, or aspects of his preparation in the article, C standing for consumption, um, and that was not just diet. It was also like, you know, your consumption of positive and negative energy in your life. Mm-hmm. Training. He talked about his training split and what type of training he did. Recuperation. So your recovery work mm-hmm. and why that was important. And then mindset and why as a lifter, as an athlete, you know, your mindset about your training is important. So yeah. I, I did like that. CTRM. I do like that. Um, you know, he talked about that there are four aspects of training and that most of the time people only focus on training and maybe diet. Yeah. But he said, you know, recuperation mindset also very important. But we don't deload. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't believe Franz deloaded either, to be fair. That's he was a Franz fair. guy. That's fair. There was an advertisement for the 1999 USAPL American Open, formerly the Lifetime Drug-Free Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, this was when it, we, they were transitioning from ADFPA to USAPL. Um, just of note for me, this was being run in Chicago by B&W Gym mm-hmm. at, at the time, the Lincolnwood Radisson, a.k.a. the Purple Hotel. I am familiar with the Purple. Um, we ran... It is, at, it is gone now. Yeah, I think it's been torn down, right? Uh, yeah, as of uh, three or four years ago. Dennis Brady ran a lot of big meets at the Purple Hotel. Ernie Franz ran. I mean, we had a, 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 a AWPC Worlds at the Purple Hotel. Um, well, that the, area, like Niles and Lincolnwood, and like that, whole, like that, there was like a decent amount of meets there just over the course of you know a few decades. Yeah, I mean the Leaning Tower Y was oh. a big was a big spot for that one, meets. That one, that one hurts. That one hurts a lot. Uh, my second meet I ever ran was a bench deadlift meet at the Leaning Tower Y, yeah. and I was going to run the second summer bash there, but they didn't think they made enough money. It was only like a twenty-five, thirty lifter meet, and I mm-hmm. said to him, "Hey, this is kind of proof of concept, seeing if it works." And the summer bash that year ended up being really big, ended up being ninety lifters, and yeah, but they, they were they were in the process, I think, of getting out of like the whole powerlifting game because they used to have a great powerlifting culture there, and then they just basically booted all of it out. They did at that time. They still had a little bit of it. They still had the like Serpa hydraulic individual squat stands. Mm-hmm. They still had a competition bench. They still had the monolift at that point, which is was the attraction for me is that they already had at least a monolift there. So now when I run a meet, I only got to bring maybe. You know, two more monoliths for one platform meet. Right. Um, but, yeah, the Purple Hotel was a popular spot for many meets and now is gone. Um, and then there was the top 100 198s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this would be top 100 198s from November 97 through October 98. Okay. On top of the squats with an 880 squat was T. Camadan. Not a okay. guy I know. Yeah. Um, Matt Zwang, a guy I do know. I'd later go on to lift in the WPO. 804 squat. Scott, no first name, 800 squat, and then a guy we know here, Tom Carnegie. Oh, yeah. Number four with a 760 squat. There was also a uh, Best Lifter Award picture of Tom Carnegie at a Sunlight Power Meet back in this era. Um, Oh, Tom. He uh, never met a Sunlight Power Meet he didn't enjoy. (laughs) Um, In the bench press, we had a 617 bench from Dave Waterman. Um, Top of the deadlift, we had... 
Brookins, not a guy I know, but a 770 wow. deadlift at 198. Solid one. And top of the total was Matt Zwang with a 2,000-pound total at 198 back here in the late 90s. Nice. Um, a little bit lower, Gene Bell, a guy we talked about last week, 1901. He's about number five. Um, I do, our, our guy Tom Carnegie's down there about 15 with a 1775. So uh, an interesting look into the late 90s 198-pound class. Yeah. And from here, Mr. Bain, we're going to jump to an interview with one Peter Royo, and I'll, yeah. I'll give him a little bit of an introduction in my experience with him. Um, Pete and I both started in the sports in the early, mid-2000s. Again, I started in the year 2000. I believe Pete's first meet was right around that 2003 time frame, mm-hmm. um, and we'll go through some of Pete's early meet results with him. Um, but he was a guy who I met early, and he then ran a small, I don't even know if it was a team, maybe a crew at Core Fitness in Aurora, okay. um, which went out of business infamously. It was a former Bally's taken over by a local gym owner um, and went out of business, and he had a crew there. They had bought a model lift. They then moved to Jacked Hardcore Gym for a time, and Pete at that time had a really good-sized team. At one point, there was two different crews, like a early and a late crew, mm-hmm. um, always w- was running the conjugate system. Um, that is where Jennifer Gimmel got her start, was with that early Peter Royo training crew at Core Fitness and then moved to Jacked Hardcore. Um you kid. And Pete will talk about how he kind of got out of the sport in the interview, but uh, he, in the same time of, of doing his own powerlifting coaching, all the while he was working as a strength coach at a number of different places. That's pretty much what he focuses on now. Mm-hmm. Um, he mostly trains youth athletes, does a lot of work with swimmers, um, definitely trains some young powerlifters. We see him at a lot of our meets yeah. um, coaching on powerlifters. But he and I kind of grew up in this sport together. Um, at one point, he was on the APF executive committee and would give his insights into some of the things we did there. Um, he and I have a kind of a long history together as far as he trained at 2XL when we first started when he was kind of dabbling, maybe thinking about getting back into competing. Um, hasn't quite yet. And as you'll hear in the interview, I don't know that he's totally given up on that, but he's got some orthopedic uh, restrictions mm-hmm. from heavy training right. um, for many years, you know, kind of putting balls to the wall on his training. Um, but he's still a guy that trains, uh, still a guy that does the, the big three, just doesn't has not competed in a number of years. Yeah. So with that, we will jump to an interview with Pete Arroyo. All right, here we are with my buddy, Mr. Pete Arroyo, <laughs> who we are going to interview today. Oh, boy. Uh, Pete, uh, why don't you start don't, with... Don't fuck it up, Pete. <laughs> I'll try not to. Pete, why don't you start with just introducing yourself to the audience? Well, my name's uh, Peter Royo. I'm the uh, owner and president of, uh, currently now it's called Performance Aspire Training, or the PIT. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a personal training and uh, private strength coaching uh, service. Um, services the Na- greater Naperville area. I've been... Gr- greater Naperville see, metropolitan area. Yeah, metropolitan area <laughs> around, so... Uh, mostly have, you know, high school level athletes, um, a few that lift, that have lifted over the years at, uh, at the meets here, mm-hmm. uh, adult clientele as well. So that's, uh, okay. that's where I'm at with that. Are you, are you from the Chicagoland area originally? Or are you yeah, from? so I grew up on the, uh, in, in the south suburbs, uh, Dalton, Cal City, South Holland. Okay. So actually, it, it was kind of weird because for years, you know, you hear Ed Cohen and then the gym was not far from mm-hmm. like where I grew up and I never knew it growing up sure. at all, which was kind of interesting to find out some years later gotcha and then did you play like sports in high school or anything yeah or? i was strictly i was strictly a baseball guy ew and yeah I, know, I, I just really you know because 
my dad was a huge baseball guy, mm-hmm. so I was like, well, that's what I'm going to do. And, and, you know, I, I took it as far as I could, um, kind of through low-end college ranks. And okay. when I was done with that, that's where I got bit by the bug as – as, uh, is that that's when you got COVID? You got the bug? No, no, oh, okay. not that. I mean, the, the powerlifting bug or the strength oh, yeah, bug yeah, yeah. Sure, or, sure, or sure, whatever sure. you want to refer to it as. But, yeah, I hope not. Hell. <laughs> you never know, man. Man, all the stuff I've gotten over the early, years. Early testing they were doing there. So. Well, well, so you mentioned that. So maybe talk about how you got into powerlifting mm-hmm. and, and maybe even, like, your first meet experience. You know, kind of talk about that. So how I got in initially, yeah, I was just – I was in college I was just training – you know, kind of as everybody starts reading out muscle and fiction, and then, you know, mm-hmm. you're doing the body, you know, Ronnie Coleman's routine or whatever, and then you're yeah, buddy. puny as hell, right? Mm-hmm. So one of my good friends, uh, he was actually from, uh, he was actually a, a France lifter um, way back when, when he was a teenager, a guy mm-hmm. named Mike Pesaveno, and uh, we were good friends in college, and he goes, the hell are you reading that crap for? <laughs> and I go, I go, I don't know, this is, you know, these guys are huge. He goes, here, read this instead, and he, and he slipped me up. A, I forget the. Guessing it was probably Powerlifting USA or something pretty close. Well, it w- it was actually a copy of Milo magazine. Oh, nice! Gotcha. Where, and it was the cover of uh, Magnus Samuelson mm-hmm. with his arm over the stone. I'm like, that's freaking cool. I think I want to kind of do more more or less that stuff. Sure. And at the time, Mike was kind of actually into Olympic weightlifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was after he uh, so dynamic. I want to say he he squatted 699 as a 198er as a teenager. Wow. And, and he had the whole thing with the canvas suit and showed it to me one time and I'm like, mm-hmm. what the hell is all this stuff? And so I did, you know, Cheater that's, gear. yeah, I had no, <laughs> I had no clue, you know, what all this was. And I just started training on my own. You know, I would say self-taught, um, reading like deep squat or and anything. Dave, Dave Tate, the uh, powerlifting USA mm-hmm. would get the routines out of there. And so I would kind of train on my own because, you know, baseball guys, they would have us sit on a Swiss ball and do external rotations with the dumbbell, and that mm-hmm. was it because everything else was so dangerous back then. Sure, sure, sure. Meanwhile, <laughs> um, yeah, after baseball was done, just kind of continued to train myself. Uh, you know, when I moved back home, went to a gym. Acro- I had to go to a gym across the state border to Indiana because it was somewhat hardcore. So I didn't mm. know about quads. Right, right. So I, I would have gone there if <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was only you would have known. But I went over there, got my, uh, you know, I used to, I used to wear the chains around my neck and put it in because I was, I was, mm-hmm. I bought some from like Hessville Cable and Sling, which is some nice. local, local high-end hardware store out nice. there. Um, but it was uh, Gators Gym, and I, I kind of cut my teeth there, you know, kind of working on it on my own. Um, but at the same time, I was answering questions, or I was a part of the uh, Melsif Super Training Forum. Mm-hmm. I don't, Eric might remember this. A little bit, yeah. A little bit, but um, that's how I got my first job, oh, wow. <laughs> believe awesome. it or not. I was answering questions on a forum, and you have to put your information as far as, like, your name and where you're from. Right. Um, and a guy from... You can't be anonymous online? What? No, no what? not back then. It, it, but it was weird, right? It was just a, a text email. Right, right, No right. pictures, nothing like that. Right. You know, not like they have now. But um, I had gotten a, a private email from a gym owner out in Naperville, and... I was like, oh, I was just there, you know, because mm, right, you know, right. I went to school in North Central for a little bit. Um, so he invited me up to do a workout. And, and back then, the hot thing was the West Side barbell type stuff, even yeah. for even if you were training for sports or whatever. You know, everybody, everybody yeah, was doing dynamic effort, max mm-hmm. effort. So we, we did a workout, and, I, you know, we were kind of coaching each other. He goes, yeah, 
hey, you really know how to how to do this. You want a job? I go, absolutely, because I was doing <laughs> I was bagging groceries at a jewel. Sure, <laughs> you know? sure. Living in my parents' basement, I'm like, hell yeah, I'll come out here. Two weeks later, I find out what it paid, and it was like eight bucks an hour. I'm like, well, it's better than flipping burgers, so I'll take it. But I would I would commute from the south suburbs to. Um, coming up to Naperville wow. you know, on a daily basis. and But I, I, it was it was super cool because it was out of a powerhouse gym. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now defunct now because powerhouses are all gone. But right. uh, this was one of the rare privately owned ones, so it wasn't the ones that turned into export sure. later. And John uh, Alder was the name of the owner, and he had a program also called ESP, Explosive Speed and Power. And mm-hmm. that was like our little back room area. So we had all the, I mean, he had the Krepenzik monolift rack. Okay. He had the Krepenzik bars, had a force of bench. He had a Olympic lifting setup. Um, and he had every toy known to man, like, like, uh, the arc that Jay Schrader was, was hawking years mm-hmm. ago. Um, inertial trainer. We had a Tendo and we were like, it was like a kid in a candy store. Like, what is all this stuff? <laughs> and I had to figure it out to use it as a 22 year old guy. Um, with our, at the time, the first seven clients were all, five of them were power five division one football players. And the other two were professional. One of them was in the NFL. One of them was wow. one of, at the arena league at the time okay. was hot. So sure. we had, those, that was my first exposure, which, you know, looking back, the hardest thing I had to do was turn the light switches on and off. Sure. Cause these guys can already, they're pretty strong. These guys can already go. Yeah. Yeah. Strong, fast. I mean, you mm-hmm. name it. Um, but that was kind of like the evolution of the, of the first job. And okay. it was just kind of like a lot of on-the-job on training, learned on the fly, also learned how to, like, close and batch out a register. We had a <laughs> juice bar. We had, you know, a full power. You, know, you mean like fruit juice or like a juice bar? <laughs> a little bit a, of both gotta, back gotta, then. Got to check, you know. Yeah, it was one of those ones where, like, people would or, order, like, the Oreo Monster one, and you would okay throw, like, little. 10 Oreo cookies in there. And it was just uh, – Super healthy. Get a little, yeah, get a little, get a little extra in there for recovery. The, yeah, the, the, the juice guys, that was the other juice bar was out of the back. Got it. Very back. <laughs> Got it. So, so talk about your first meat experience. What, what was that like? Oh, God. Uh, Illinois State Meat 2003. Wow. Yeah, I've got your open power lifting. It was oh, wow. indeed 2003 Illinois State meet, March 29th. Yep. We, we were testing you. If you got that wrong, we were coughing. Yeah, yeah. I, I forget the uh, – <laughs> I knew it was an 03 because I started working in 02, and like a year later I, I, I was um, – there was a guy in the gym that was a bench press guy, and he was also a judge, Byron Gregory, who oh, pointed, okay. pointed me in the right direction. He goes gotcha. – because I didn't know how to get into like competing or yeah. anything. I was just like, well, here I am training, but how could I – how do I do a meet? You know, and he's like, oh, got state meets coming you, up. You don't so have I'm, to be, do a meet to be a power lift. That's the internet. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a stickler for that. Yeah, you do. You got to, and, <laughs> and you have to finish. You can't bomb out at, at a meet and keep bombing out. But anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then continue to <laughs> and bomb call yourself And then continue to bomb out and call <laughs> yourself a lifter. But anyways, um, Byron had, and he actually was, it was pretty cool because he ended up, he was a head judge. On one of the platforms, it was one of those dual platform ones. I'm like, sure. holy crap, what's going on? And I just remember being so nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the God, what was? Because there was really no distinction distinction between raw and geared. It was just show up and however. Mm-hmm. So like there was some guys, and I didn't know them at the time, but you had like, I think Eric, you lifted at that meet, right? Uh, it is possible I lifted at the well, 03 state meet. Here, it was it was that one. Or the, or the following one, which is like a month later, which was the yeah, APF that was, Nationals. That I, you know what? I think I judged, okay. actually, at the state meet in 03, and I okay. lifted at So I remember meeting you at one of those two. Because yeah. 
um, going back to my first experience, but I had the blue, <laughs> the blue Franz polyester suit. Of course. And I had injured knee wraps, as that's what I had it, in my bag. Is that the one that I had, like, the straps cut? That you Probably, for, yes. For a brief you guys gave yeah. me. <laughs> it, it was just all, it looked like a real tight wrestling singlet. Yep. And, uh, you know, the Chuck Taylor shoes. And then, you know, my dad was there. Superior footwear. And he was videotaping. And I'm wrapping my own knees. I don't really know what the hell I'm doing. Wow. And I just remember getting my first attempt in. Like, I was, like, nervous. And Byron was head judging. He's like, you know, kind of like, it's okay. Just, mm-hmm. you know, do it. And then yep. give me the down call. Hit the lift. Went immediately to the garbage can and just, just <laughs> all over the place. It, and I didn't have anything to eat that morning. I was just so just freaking nervous. And that, and that ha- But that habit was like for the first two years I would do that. I would get so nervous in meets because I really had um, – I would tr- always train alone right. um, for the first, yeah, two, three years. I just trained by myself. Cause, hmm. So I didn't know how to wrap a knee. I didn't know the pace of the meet and, and everything we know now as coaches, handlers, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but shortly thereafter, yeah, we, a, a month later was the AAPF Nationals, made the qualifier, and I'm kind of like walking away, and there's this, you know, lighter weight guy who kind of runs up to me, hits me in the shoulder, and he goes, hey, great meet, shakes his hand, that's Eric Stone. And I was like, oh. holy cow, these people are really cool. I was like, these are real cool. It's like, He's wow, an asshole, he runs a good meet, though. Yeah, it was like, take the team picture. I go, team picture, what is that? It's like, well, you qualified for the world team. It's like, oh, cool. And that world meet, or what world meet was in Saco, was Maine. That was in Maine. Saco, Maine. It looks Ross like, Barlow. Looks like, unfortunately, that's a bomb in the bench that, for you there. That so. was, yeah. <laughs> well, here's, here's the story behind that. I'm glad to hear it. So, I was not there. Jackie was there with Shara, if you remember. Little uh, black woman that trained with uh, Brochure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that because that. And then uh, there was Michael Locko was there, another Dyke Naughton. I'm trying to Dyke go Naughton that. is the one who infamously will put a battery in his mouth with lemon juice. With that Dyke, yeah. And he had Dyke was interesting because he would have Yikes. a shirt for each attempt. He had a different shirt for each attempt. Yeah, which was which was interesting. I've, I've like, heard legends of that, not his name, but I've heard legends of that with guys that have you know different shirts for warm ups, yeah. one for opener, second attempt, and a third attempt shirt. Yeah, and I ended up. Uh, yeah, that's just nuts. Like so those wily veterans can just. Uh, do stuff like that yeah we'll, um, we'll call it that yeah but that's where i had um, a couple months prior a big guy came into the gym and he had like i thought he was blind in one eye because he blew out his eye mm-hmm. it, and i was like jesus christ this guy's a freaking complete monster mm-hmm. and so we got to talk and he's like oh are you a lifter it's like yeah i'm a lifter got any meats coming up yeah Sacco main i go me too there's jason patrick oh, that's where oh. i met, met him we started kind of training together and he had introduced me to uh to Francis Gym, so I would I would go there as a guest. I was never a full time France lifter, but mm-hmm. I would go there as a guest occasionally on Saturdays. Um, but yeah, that was, those were my first, and then within months of each other, first couple meets there. So you said you were going to tell the story of bombing it. Oh, AWC okay. Worlds. Oh, the bomb out in Saco. So <laughs> your first bomb out? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had a few of them. I had a few of them, and and sometimes yeah, sometimes you swing and you miss. You get the gear wrong, whatever. It just happens, whatever. But anyways, so my. My folks decided to, because of the timing of it, oh, it's we can make a vacation out of this. And I'm thinking Done like, that. but I'm a young guy, and I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going there for business, you know. I'm going there to lift, you know. Yeah. Bring it up. But I had to cut a little bit of weight. We decided to drive up to Saco, right, to cut weight. So, of course, I can't monitor it, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm trying to – I think I was – what was I? 242. 42s. Yeah. Okay. So I was over. I think it was weighing like 240. 
fifty at the time. Yikes. So not terrible. No, not terrible. Like okay. eight pounds. Looking back, eight pounds is manageable. Sure. But I didn't know what I was doing. So I just basically like ate nothing for a day and a half. Something like what, that. What could drive. go wrong? What can go wrong? <laughs> end up, end up uh, losing to about two thirty three or two thirty five. Wow. Like I weighed it real light and I was like, oh my God. So I get there. Great, great coefficient. Yeah, yeah. So I hit a, I hit a pretty good squat. Mm-hmm. I, I think I hit of that flight or that section because I was still in the juniors at the time. I think I hit the biggest squat of that entire flight. Mm-hmm. 683 squat at 242. Well, it wasn't bad for my first uh, first ever mm-hmm. uh, world. But um, so the bench, I had just gotten into a new bench shirt, mm-hmm. and it was one of Brent Michaels' old at the time. It was a metal shirt, but okay. it didn't have any – logo on it or nothing it was just this black straight jacket looking thing mm-hmm. and it fit great in training i think i was hitting like yeah you know low fours which for me at the time was huge low sure. mid fours mm-hmm. and get to the meet i think i opened with like 360 something 380 okay 380 something so either way but the shirt like slipped right on and that's what i knew i was in trouble and i'm like uh-oh I, looking back, I should have uh, lowered your open. I should have lowered it significantly and possibly used that old uh, that blue France polyester shirt. But mm-hmm. yeah, sure. that was the story behind that. But uh, it was just a rookie mistake, and I just wasn't strong enough to handle it. So yeah, at no. the time, so that happens. I'll own it. Yeah, <laughs> I, and we'll continue to go through you know some some of the things you did in powerlifting. But in looking back as a you know. "Quote unquote retired power lifter," <laughs> which Re- retire to next. You my, don't retire from a sport you don't get paid from, guys. Let's yeah, just yeah. Be clear about that. My it's brother just, always says you're retired until your next meet. Yeah, exactly. That's what he always yeah. says. But what do you look back and think? Okay, here's hmm. the accomplishments in the sports that I'm most proud of: a number or a meet or whatever it might so, be. So yeah, so it, it's it's so I think my best total was like twenty two something. Mm-hmm. Yep, twenty two ten actually, and that was at. So say at the open power lifting. Yeah, so say the open power lifting. That was at the 12, I don't know, 11 state meet, Illinois state meet? Uh, looks like that was at the 11 seniors. Senior Nats? Okay. Yeah, it, in one. Wisconsin. Nice. Okay, I thought I did better at that state meet because that, that, that was the, yeah, the one in Wisconsin, Eddie Tabor was running it. And I took third place. Good, good in the memory. first two were, were Anthony Carlquist and Marshall Johnson, so I did not mind pulling third place yeah. of those guys. Yeah, sure. Um, and and I think one of those two guys took best lifter. So the, that class was just, uh, I think it was myself and another guy in there. Like so, it was a pretty not a lot of guys, but like mm-hmm. kind of a loaded class. Right. But before that, there was a couple state meets before that. I, I was proud of the placing and everything that I did better. Um, but before that, there was an Illinois State meet, and I, I remember Dick Senzen saying, "Holy crap, your weight class is like weight class is like watching a national." So check this out. It was my, myself, and I'm like mm-hmm. the fifth or sixth worst, worst guy. Jason, Jose uh, Garcia. For those who don't know, Ho- mm-hmm. so I'm saying Jason Patrick, Jose Garcia, Noel Barrio, all France greats. And then there was a guy named uh, Chris Hake, who was pretty pretty dang strong at the time. Mm-hmm. And we were all battling it out. I mean, Jose ran away with the with the win, but places two through five. If Jason wouldn't have bombed, if Jason bombed out, I, and he would have taken second. I'm sorry, third or whatever, because you had Jose in there. But if places two through five were like separated, so it was like Noel, 
Noel and like the rest of us, rest of that group, but we were separated by like forty pounds. Wow! It, it was just like, and, and I didn't even know it. I was just picking my own attempts. I didn't know how close we all were. Right. But but Dick Zenzin had told me like after like I was like watching a national meet. I'm looking like, holy crap! But we were all like like just kind of pushing it's each how other. How it's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, and it was it was a freaking state meet of all things, right? Yeah. So here was you had first place Jose Garcia twenty four forty seven. Yeah, he just ran away with. Noel Lavario twenty one sixty. Yep. Chris Haig, 21-49. Peter Royo 21-21. So pretty close, two through th- four. Yeah, yeah. That was I mean, just, that was, Jose that Garcia, was I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? One of the greats you, of all time. You, you, you're not going to do anything against Jose. Yeah. Because he, he, was, he was humming at the time. That was uh, probably around his peak. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, just, he was just a freak because you would see this big, tall guy. And, and, you know, we all know Jose, and he's not like the big, fired-up guy. And he would just kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say lackadaisically, but he always seemed like he never was, never got like hyped. Never, never too up, never too down. Yeah, never too up, never too down. But you know, taking like eleven hundred in training, watching him do that, and then pull like nine hundred. It's like, dude, how the, hell? <laughs> like, how the hell? And then to show up two weeks later, G- and genetics, dude, yeah, genetics and whatever else. And yep, do, do, yep. <laughs> and then yeah. do the same thing. O- open my fridge because you never saw him train genetics. during the week. Also in that meet was our gym member here, Mike Goldman, bombed, unfortunately. Oh, wow, Mike. And Jason Patrick, bomb. Bomb, yeah. That was a fun meet, though, because it, it was... It looks like Jason bombed in the deadlift? Yeah. I think... God, what happened with him there? It might have been... It might have been his... Yeah, he did bomb in the deadlift, because he bar- he kind of made it through the squats, and he benched big. I think it was 6... 6.33 was his bench. Okay. Squatted nine twenty five, and yeah, he looks like he took seven eighty two three times and and missed it. Yeah, wow. it was just yeah. I think his uh, he just took too heavy of an opener because he would he would the way he would train the deadlift was just insane. He would he was big on the rack poles, doing mm-hmm. doing thousand on rack poles, and he was like always that, a hook gripper. So. Yeah, yeah, because he trained uh, with Tom Kraus uh, for Olympic lifting for a little while um, yep. at Sager Park, and then Tom Kraus had introduced him to Francis gym right, a little right. later. Right. So, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, kind of how you got your started as, as a strength coach. and We can mm-hmm. come back on that on, mm-hmm. you know, what you've done since. But what, you know, so you, you've gone through this powerlifting career. You've hit some pretty big numbers. You had a 22 total. Mm-hmm. What took you out of the sport? Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, and it's a, it's a story I, I actually don't mind going into now because yeah. there was a while back that I was just like, I'm not going to talk about it. But basically, for me, looking back, and I can sum it up like this. I was just, I was very strong, but I was also very sick. I had let my body weight go up because mm-hmm. I was thinking like, well, I'm going to gain the weight 275 class. And, and you see me, I'm not a big guy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have big joints. I'm not tall. So, you know, I want to run with the big dogs. Because at the time, the 275 was like the class. I mean, you had a cross. Still is. It still is the big, still the is. best one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know the numbers just, anymore. Just because I'm in it. That's the only reason oh, I say there that. You so. go. Yeah. <laughs> So I was like, you know, I was like, well, I want to, I'll try to gain weight, so I'll, I'll do everything I can, you know, we'll just leave that at what it, what it may, eat everything, take everything you can, whatever the heck. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, also with that became, you know, just very unhealthy. Um, untreated sleep apnea being the big culprit. Um, so what was it? It was after that, was that Lexan Extreme meet. Yeah, it looks like your last hurt meet. hurt my knee. Last yeah, meet on the platform. Last meet on the platform was 2012. The XPC. The XPC. That's what it was. Not the Lex Extreme. The XPC. So that was well. Lexon was probably running the meet. Yeah. Yeah. Danny Dake was uh, was running it, but that that oh, meet Danny. was super cool because you had like, 
Yeah, Chuck there. You had Evgen Yerimbash. I mean, you talk about the biggest guys, Henry Thomason. Yeah. Uh, seeing all those guys, it's like, holy crap. But I had uh, my knee had caved in on a squat. I, it didn't, didn't bury me, but, you know, sprained it pretty bad, took me out, rehab for a, for a year, tried to come back a little bit, was, was training pretty good. Um, in fact, hit a, hit a 950 squat in the gym previ- just previous to mm-hmm. <laughs> then a month later, um, a hospital visit in which I came home one Christmas night from, my fo- from visiting my folks and peeing a little blood. I'm like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. You know, little spurts of it, you know? And I've never had this in my life. So I'm like, okay, kept happening, kept happening. I thought I cut myself. No, kept happening. I'm going to go to the ER. So I yep. drove myself to the ER, ran into the ER. They take me in. They're like, well, and what, you kind of huffing and puffing a little bit. Are you okay? It's like, oh, I had to, I had to kind of come from a long distance because, you know, you have construction here at the front parking lot, so I had to park a little ways away. Sure. And being a bigger guy trying to, you know, running in the cold, and you're going to get a little messed up. But mm-hmm. obviously I was in some denial that I was just an unhealthy guy. So I get taken in, and then, you know, that was initially a UTI infection. Mm-hmm. Then you're seen by a bunch of doctors while you're in there. Well, you got congestive heart failure. I'm like, what? So I'm like, just tears running down my eyes and everything. I'm like, what the hell does this mean? Found out in, in, in follow-up visits. So you got cardiologist, kidney, oncologist, another guy that sticks his fingers up your ass and you know, <laughs> prostate. Is that, is that a doctor or is that just a free service they offer? <laughs> I think it was a doctor. Okay, okay. Um, so, doctor, why are your hands on my shoulders? Yeah, so like like three of them got eliminated right Yikes. away because those, those things that they checked out were okay. But, of course, they never really – those doctors never really <coughs> communicate with each other. They're all sure. separate things. Eventually, it's you how know, they keep you in the system, man. Yeah, exactly. And the kidney guy's like, oh, you know, we may have to do some intervention because your kidneys are like – I'm like, what the hell? And the heart doctors, you got congestive heart failure. The oncologist was the only one kind of like with, let's figure out the heck's going on. And he's like, I, what, what's your daily routine like? And I go, what do you mean? So, like, what is your day? Like, do you, have, do you have trouble, like, staying awake? And I go, well, yeah, for years. I mean, it would be like get up, out of bed, sit up. You fall asleep for, like, five minutes, get up again, mm-hmm. you know, undress for the shower fall asleep in the shower fall asleep on the toilet fall asleep at the wheel a couple times which you know knock on wood uh, never a problem there i didn't right. get into any accidents but looking back i was like holy crap how am i still Just alive dodging bullets left and right right and and at the time i didn't have i didn't Sleep apnea, oh, what is that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was just told I snored really bad. You can ask Jason how bad I freaking snored. It was like a <laughs> <laughs> a couple of nights, you know, spent it at his house. And his nieces and nephews are, like, getting scared at night because they're like, oh, my God, this bear is going to kill us. And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, there was problems leading up to that. But, of course, you know, you're a big, strong lifter guy, mm-hmm. and, and you're in denial about it. Oh, it's whatever the price I have to pay. That's how you're justifying it. Um, but anyways, it, it just – Long story short, uh, they said congestive heart failure. It was really just untreated sleep apnea. As soon as I treated that, uh, the oncologist used the word cured. Uh, and since oh. then, my blood work's been perfect. The re- refraction rate's back. I check that every six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, car- echogram or whatever, that, cardioechogram, whatever that they use. Um, mm-hmm. It's that blood work the other day. Cholesterol's up a little bit. Other than that, everything's good. Nice. Um, nephrology's good. All of that stuff's good. So. And obviously dropping the weight. Uh, yeah. And that was, that was a lot of good lessons learned from that. So I was like, as soon as I was done with that, I was like, all right, I got to get healthy. 
which meant I had to get away from the sport a little bit because mm-hmm. I think just being around it, I'm not blaming anyone or anything. I just, for me, it began to become toxic. So I had to stay away mm-hmm. from it and just get myself into shape. So I just taught myself how to do other things. You know, I was I still lifting? Yeah, I was still doing squat bench and deadlift, but, you know, got into stuff like kettlebells, got into stuff like tumbling uh, that I do now, I do some mm-hmm. rolls and stuff. And it's, it's so much better because I'm so much more, and this is going back, yeah, 20... 12 now it's almost 10 years like 10 years later i'm in my 40s now mm-hmm. i can do so much more now training wise than right. i could back then am i as strong no obviously i'm not right but you know what if i can if i can move as dick zenzin would say you move heavy shit fast it's like i, I still want to move relatively heavy stuff explosively mm-hmm. so we'll be able to you know box jumps farmers carry some sprints here and there kettlebell work you know i love doing all that like now right. there's a there, not a day goes by that i don't do some sort of training some sort of something sure back then it was like <laughs> thank god for the 10-day cycle i got introduced to that but it would be like do a lift i had taken a complete day off and then do a lift i think that partially con- contributed to a, a lower fitness level sure um but yeah that was a story that kind of took me out so every, everything's good now on the health end mm-hmm. um but i had to do that because you were probably up cl- pretty close to 300 at that yes. time. Yes, yeah. Actually, what, there was one meet where I weighed in at that. It was a meet that was at Jacked, and I did a. Uh, oh, I remember I th- that. I think meet. it was a bench deadlift, and I weighed in at 295. Wow. I think I. How tall are you? Five eight. Same. Yeah, <laughs> you know, five eight, five nine on a good day, but um, yeah, but yeah, I, I had no business being that heavy. Um, but yeah, that was just one of those one of those things where, it was like. And what are you weighing at right now? Two, between two twenty two twenty four. I, yeah, I remember seeing you at a summer bash where you were coaching some lifters, and mm-hmm. I was like, "What happened to Pete?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Everybody laughs> where, like, where did Pete go? They would, they would call me Big Pete, and of course, when when you're hearing that as a, as a guy that's you know a young man, you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah big," you know, yeah. It, it, yeah, right. I mean, it builds up your ego a little bit, but yeah, that would probably would have been. Was that yeah. Rich East? Yeah, so that would have been that group: uh, Zach, Stevie, Jenny. Uh, Joe, all, all those high school kids. So that's uh, – and they all lifted raw. But, yeah, that's when I had dieted down. I made a goal when I – so after that Christmas was the following year, I was like, January 1st, I'm going to diet down. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got introduced to that uh, – Rob Leondo had actually on Facebook said, quit your wine and do this stuff out of this book. And it was the Carb Night Solution, Solution. book. Mm-hmm. And uh, followed up with carb backloading and all that. But I had said, you know, as soon as I got out of hospital, I got out of hospital at like 275. I go, I want to be 220. Mm-hmm. And I set myself a six-month goal. The crazy thing, that goal happened in 13 weeks. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, well, I, and I was 215. I went a little bit below it. Wow. And that's probably where you saw me right mm-hmm. in that period, uh, January, February. That would make sense. Well, because there was always the joke that, you know, Pete would be coaching eating, eating an egg McMuffin. <laughs> Who Fall, said that joke? Uh, falling asleep on the glued ham. I think. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, there's there's a lot of truth to that. I don't know about the egg. I think muffins, that was Garrett and Gimmel both. Garrett Krug? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. But well, that that one that was the crazy thing for that period of of like three years into lifting, and then up until I would I would coach in my sleep, like I would fall asleep on a reverse hyperglued ham, and I would. Still coach, like, I would be literally be like this, and someone's doing an Olympic lift. I was like, you got to shrug that harder. 
<laughs> and they were like, you're dead asleep. Like, I, I would hear it. You're, you're like the dead. I was watching that. No, Dad, you were, your eyes were closed. No, yeah. I was watching that. I was just resting him. But I would still, but people were like, you, you, you knew what, what to tell me. I was like, well, in my, in my mind, I was awake. Right. But I would hear it. I would yeah. hear the lift or I'd hear whatever happened. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. hearing it's, uh, especially if you get, I mean, if you got chains on there, you can kind of hear the pace of it. Right. Or an Olympic lift, you can kind of hear the, the feet hit or the, or the, or the bar. Sure. And I would just hear it, um, which was just nuts. And people, and I don't know how the hell I kept clients being in that state. I really don't know. And they just kept coming back and just whatever. It was just nothing else. They want to see the was. show. Like the they guys, guys asleep, he can still, still coach me. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sleep apnea induced narcolepsy, man. It was yeah. just uh, kind of nuts. But, um, and reading up on guys that I guess that had similar issues, uh, AJ Roberts had something similar. I think he had a uh, s- strong, sick, and nearly dead. It was an article in Power Magazine mm-hmm. uh, a okay. while back, and he had he had turned himself around. And I think recently there's another another guy I was reading up about. Um, oh, it's on this Nick Showman had, mm. had very oh, similar yeah. stuff. Um, and, and these guys, you know, strong dudes, obviously AJ is another level, but, um, yeah. strong dudes in their own right. But then just seeing their, their journey through that. And impartially also, you know, that same time, you know, uh, Mark Bell was one where he was heavy and came down and mm-hmm. the way I equated, I guess it's the same thing when Lenachev just did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, you've seen him. Yeah, he's he lost looked, like 80, hundred pounds. He look, he looks, yeah, it's looks crazy. Good. He looks good. So coming out of those health concerns, I mean, you, you mm-hmm. lifted and competed, looks like, for almost 10-plus years, mm-hmm. you know, really consistently at a pretty high level, you yeah. know, squatting in the 900s, mm-hmm. benching in the 600s, uh, deadlifting. Sucks. Pro- <laughs> probably can- also deadlifting in the 600s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I was one of those notorious guys that can outbench his deadlift, which was sure. shameful. And always, <laughs> always, as a, always as a geared guy, since, mm-hmm. again, like you said, that's all there was back then. Yeah. But, you know, looking back on it, I mean, not that you have regrets, but if you mm-hmm. could go back and change anything, or if you were coaching somebody like a young Peter Royo, oh, wow. what would you – how would you advise <laughs> them, hey – I know you want to lift big, but right. if you also do X, you could lift big and maybe have a longer career. Right, and that was that was always like it was weird because I, I looked at uh, guys like Louis and Hideki and Naba and how long they lasted and everything. I, I think what I would tell go back and tell myself one max out on a weight class first. Um, I should have stayed in the two forty twos a lot mm-hmm. longer. Um, okay. But, you know, got caught into the rat race, the rat race of gear, the rat race of you got to gain weight to get stronger and, mm-hmm. and all of that crap. I would say max out on that. Also, going back, like kind of backtracking with the gear, max out on the gear. So what I would do is set, and this is kind of like what I have my kids kind of do now. And, well, of course, we didn't, have, we didn't start with raw because raw didn't exist. Right. <laughs> now, raw, now raw, 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 raw is the only thing. Yeah, raw was like <laughs> walking into the door. And, and I will <laughs> politely disagree. Out. Raw is not the only thing. It's just another thing. What was that? I'm sorry. Raw is not the only thing. It's just another thing. It's just another thing. Right? Well, it's some, some people will the argue that and it's the only way to do wrong. it. Right. <laughs> um, but I would say, you know, get a certain total, total raw. You know, maybe like if you got to – I think I think for Marta, uh, we, we've kind of set uh, who lifted for you at the uh, the recent uh, national in, in Gatlinburg, yep. but we kind of went over that. I go, what I would have you do is try to, and, and being a female, it's obviously a little bit different with relative strength, but try to set like a relative strength number. So, you know, a one point five to one point seven body weight squat. Uh, try to bench your body weight plus ten percent uh, deadlift. Uh, you know, one point eight maybe near double, and then we'll start to put some one ply 
gear on or something like that. And then sure. from there, set another parameter and set another parameter until you're okay. Then you can kind of get into the get into the multi ply because here, here's the here's the caveat of multi ply. The way I've always seen gear is it should complement your form and your technique. Right. It shouldn't distort it. And I think where a lot of guys got in, they wanted to, and, and me included, is you want the big lift, but in order to get it, okay, you got to wear this gear. But I think, uh, and you saw America, people were breaking their arms and stuff. And it's like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. It, it, I think it, it, it distorted their technique so much, they had to conform to the gear, and mm-hmm. the gear got so restrictive. Like, you got to be strong enough to use the gear. Um, I think one, one of the guys who does it right uh, that I've seen develop over the years, Matt Manuth. Mm-hmm. He really is like a technician with it, but he, he builds up his, his, his training's very interesting uh, from, from the exchanges we had over the years, um, where he, he uses a certain amount of raw strength to justify getting into, you know, two plies or three plies or, or sure. his squat or something like that. Interesting. Um, which, which, looking back, if, if someone can make a... I, somewhat systemized it but it's kind of custom to the individual sure. and kind of where they're at so if i get somebody who's let's say if i got a lifter who's already kind of done really well raw mm-hmm. and they want to get into the gear okay we're going to start with some single ply stuff right today's single ply is different than when we started with our yeah. single ply. today's single ply is like the double ply poly suits right. that we use when right. we started yeah it's a little a little more forgiving um but yeah but yeah that's that strength because i recently got a pair of single ply uh titan uh briefs mm-hmm. and i was like holy crap like <laughs> these are as these are as good as uh you know the metal doubles were back in the day you know mm-hmm. um but I, I would i would definitely go through steps with that but you know i didn't have a coach really coming up i occasionally visited ernie's i, I really didn't have a coach for myself until i started lifting for zenzen mm-hmm. sure. and that's when my total that's when you kind of see that period of time when my totals took off is when sure. i was lifting for him and what I contributed to that is I wasn't Coach Pete anymore. I was lifter Pete and letting mm-hmm. somebody else handle the training cycle. And I learned right. tons from Dick, tons yep. from Dick, uh, how to how to manipulate a training cycle and, and a lot of that stuff. There's just a lot of crazy stuff we did. Sure. But it was, like, so effective. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe talk about that a little bit. Um, okay. And we'll come back to maybe just more coaching. But mm-hmm. – you know, you've always been somebody that's used the conjugate system or uh-huh. West Side variations. Mm-hmm. How have you implemented the conjugate system in a group setting? And then how, you know, how do you how do you structure that? And how would you structure that in a group setting? And we're, I guess you could first start with powerlifters and you could also right. talk about your athletes you train, but. Right. And, and yeah, that's the thing about the conjugate system is if you just look at the history of it um, from the information, uh, from the names that Louis reels off, uh, where he got that information from, uh, a lot of the Soviet uh, texts, some of them were relating to Olympic weightlifting, but also some of them like Verkashansky, Satsiorsky, maybe even Bondarchuk. Mm-hmm. Those guys didn't coach lifters. They coached athletes, like actual field athletes. Right. So what we're actually getting with the conjugate system is a program that's geared, it's athletic-based, that Louis took and converted for powerlift. So it... The way I look at it now, like if anybody's ever looked deep into the Bondarchuk um, type methods, mm-hmm. which I would encourage, I'm not trying to do a plug for him, but um, uh, Evil Track Sport, Derek Evely, who's actually now in the Chicago area, uh, was really tight uh, with, with Dr. B, but he's got a course on the Dr. B system. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks exactly like how 
what I think most conjugate people are trying to explain what conjugate is, because you'll have a grouping of a complex of exercises is what it's called, but basically it's like a test exercise, mm -hmm. a preparatory exercise, a couple developmental, and then your general physical preparedness, GPE exercises. Mm -hmm. And that, that seems to be, if you look at anybody's conjugate template, it would reflect that in a lot of ways. Sure. Um, how it's done in a team setting, and I'll have to reflect back to <laughs> the, the Royale powerlifting uh, days, uh, or the initial of them at the core fitness, good old core fitness club. <laughs> won't mention, yep. We won't mention the old odor Yikes. right now. That's a different uh, story for different days if we ever want to shoot the shit on that, but we can. <laughs> um, but also kind of morphed into a bigger team at Jack, but that was when we had, you know, Jen Gimmel, her first mm -hmm. exposure. Jan. <laughs> so I'm sure she's still, Jan Gimmel, mm -hmm. uh, her first exposure with that. Uh, Danimal, Dan McCarran, who was more of a strongman guy, but he trained with us, which was awesome. He was just a cool guy to have around. Tom Jacobs, Hussein uh, Abzul Aziz, Eddie Sherwin, and uh, Rob Sibnick, who ended up uh, doing some strongman later on. But it was just, so that's a, you know, kind of a handful of lifters. So mm -hmm. back then it was kind of like whatever the heck I was doing, they were doing. So whatever the heck I would read up, all right, we got our, our dynamic effort uh, or our max effort. Uh, the only thing obviously would be different would calibrate the weights for, you know, if, if you're stronger, use more weight. Right, right. Less or band tension or whatever. And I remember I, that whole time we didn't really let Jen, Jen into the mono lift <laughs> because it's like we had all these monsters and we got like, you know, a blue band aside and, and all of that. And and there was also, oh, uh, a guy I learned from a lot who was there for a stint was Travis Mash was there for with us for a little, little yeah. while. He's, mm -hmm. he's WPO lifter for a while. Yeah, he's a freaking legend, man. But um, and he was a super cool guy. Always, always, always very positive. I was always I don't want to say negative, but I was always. I would say just a realist. Sure. Um, but Travis was like, dude, you're so explosive. You need to learn how to grind and slow down. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, and what he meant was you got to put – don't be afraid to put heavier weight on your Right, back. right. So, um, so that, that sort of system was just kind of like they were doing what I, I was doing. Sure. When we went to Jack, we had a bit bigger of a team. So uh, I think Detmans were there for a little while. And, yep. then, and then we just had a bunch of other people come in. So we had all types, so meaning – Rookies, veterans, people in gear, people not in gear. So you had to put them in buckets, as they say. Right. Um, so the raw guys would – luckily we had two monoliths. We'd put them in one monolith, also okay. one monolith. But the way I would kind of structure it, and this is when I got into reading Tuck Scherer's work uh, about RPE. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And now he's got even more dense work that's along the lines of, of Dr. Bondarchuk, but he called, called emerging strategies. And I encourage anyone to watch the, his, his uh, YouTube stuff on that. But the way I, the way I viewed Max Effort, uh, I don't know, Eric, if you've read uh, Jovanovich's recent uh, Agile Periodization. talks no. about uh, an everyday maximum. Okay. Something like that. So that's kind of like what we would do, but it was if you were further off for a meet, you would do like a five. Okay. Um, if you were closer, you, I, I like training in twos and threes. I never liked doing max singles in training. I okay. never like later on, you know, with the, even with the gear. Save on the everyone's for me day. Yeah. So, so exactly. Yeah. Save it for the meat. Um, I, I know Fran, a lot of France guys frowned upon that and they would actually go. All we did were singles. Yeah. Yeah. And the philosophy there, it was just different. And, and Jason would, would tell me this too, cause he trained with Brent who was, who was also very, very different. Brent would train. Brent Mikesell. Mikesell. Correct. Okay. Yeah. It was, I, I think one of the most underrated 
Definitely, lifters. at least squatters. Yeah, one of the prolific. Pro, he was at the one time the most prolific thousand pound squatter, mm-hmm. and he was clean, man. His his technique was clean. I mean, just just beautiful, beautiful lifts there. Um, um, but anyways, I like the philosophy of training under and go over in the meet. I saw the France guys as train over and go under in the meet. Okay. For me mentally, I couldn't. Like, if I do something in training, I want to know I can go above that. So, for me, uh, it was it was weird mentally because, like, right. how could I accept 10% less right. or whatever the heck? Right. Be- just because I did a negative with 1,000, <laughs> which sure. would just destroy people. Right, right, right. Uh, or d- destroy me. Some people got over on that. That's fine. Um, but anyways, going back to, like, a max effort type situation, you would do, uh, you know, like, like a daily max, so a 5RM, 3RM, 2, whatever, and then a couple of drop-off sets after that, typically mm-hmm. 2 to 3 at 10% less. Okay. So the way the way I always seen that, the way I see it now, it's, it's an organic periodization. It's always living or dying or going with you. And the way you can kind of track it now, something like a max effort, which would be very specific, you would do it, uh, you know, in the gear. So if we're using a... Dr. Bonder Chuck terminology, that would be our competitive exercise. So instead of like max effort, I now see things as it's a competitive exercise. You're always giving a max effort, whether it's heavy or whether it's trying to move it fast. Right. It's always a maximum effort. Like your effort level is always very boom, precise. You know, your, your mental stimulus is up, whatever you want to call it. So you would do the... 5RM, 3RM, 2RM on the max effort day, mm-hmm. uh, trying to put it in conjugate terms, and then do some back offsets for some, you know, a little bit more volume, but also you get like a PAP effect, but also, you know, you're still working heavyish weights, right? Okay. On the dynamic day, we would take a percentage of that number. At least this is the way I kind of do it. Some people went over, but I took a percentage of that number and then try to move it fast. So, for instance, if we did, and I always, like, I loved my max effort i never did regular weight there's mm-hmm. always chains or bands or whatever so kind of donnie thompson esque in a way mm-hmm. um but i would take a percentage of that uh, and that would be between if i wanted to go fast it would be on the lower end so if we're looking at like uh the half field recommendations of, of power because to me i always viewed it as a power day mm-hmm. right between 55 and 80 percent so if I wanted to have it more of a explosive or real fast day or light, mm-hmm. like if I needed to train a deadlift hard, I would go a little bit lighter and use it as a warm-up for the deadlift. So I would just be trained between like 50, 55, and 60 with a little bit of reduced band tension or, or like less chains. Sure. So let's say if I did a – Sorry, this is Louis math here. Yeah, sorry, sorry. So, <laughs> well, well, let me make it simple. So like, let's say if, if, if I did – and I didn't have everybody do it this way. I, I just – some of them did – Regular squats, some of them did regular, you know, the regular lifts. Mm-hmm. But I just love lifting against bands and chains. I don't know why. Um, partly didn't have to load all that weight. But, it's true. Uh, so let's just say if I was using a, uh, if I had worked up to a double with uh, five or six chains aside mm-hmm. with, you know, 500 pounds or something, you would take a between 50 and 60% of that 500 and then reduce the chains like two or three aside. Okay. And that would be your dynamic effort. That would day. be your, your your yeah my dynamic day or speed day, and then that, then we would follow up with or I like follow up with deadlift work because I did wide stance squat. I did I was a sumo deadlifter at the time. To me, it just made sense. Okay. And actually, it ended up being like that kind of with uh, when I moved on to Zenzins. 
Um, if it was like a little bit more like you wanted more force on the day, you would just do the higher end of that curve. So between like 70, 80% of that, whatever that max was mm -hmm. that following workout. Gotcha. So we would, we would work on, um, we would kind of keep that moving. So there really was no wave. There really was no, okay. uh, per, you know, set percentages for each day. It was based off of whatever you did last time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you would kind of keep that training cycle going and, Looking back, I didn't track the trends, but now you can kind of see trends of when people go up. Uh, you know, is it every third workout? Is it every fourth workout? Is it every fifth workout or exposure uh, is what the Dr. B vernacular calls. Um, but you also can kind of see is what your developmental, your assistance exercises are doing for you. Sure. Like if there's something that's not working, you're driving it up. Like if you're getting strong at, or if you're not getting – better at the main lift and then your assistance lift really isn't going anywhere there's no tracking of it is it, it it's a way you can kind of quantify sure that other stuff because everybody talks about well pick out your weaknesses how do you know what your weaknesses are you don't know unless you got you got to kind of throw some at the wall see if it sticks and not to mention it's it's got to be what lifters like to do and then you also got to take into account like orthopedic health so there's some people I may have shoulder not like now I can't do any like direct triceps work. Right. My elbows are shot. I know my right shoulder is not very good. So I would love to do overhead work again. Can't really do it. So I right. can't, it's very tough to apply that. Um, so we, we would, we would kind of run that system and keeping track of all of those lifters, you know, again, depending on what lift they would do. So even, even like the raw guys or the single ply lighter gear guys, I don't even know what to call them because <laughs> everybody eventually got into gear. Sure. Well, what would be the exercise choice difference between a raw and equip guy, or would it be the same exercise, just different accommodator resistance? So, what would be the exercise choice on, on which day? Any any day. Say your max effort squat day. So max effort squat day, the difference would be the raw people would not use a box. Okay. And sometimes we would you know, use a bo box. So sometimes the, the geared guys would use a box or not. I liked doing it because I just know I would hit. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it wasn't the typical um, release the hip flexors type technique. It was, it was touch the box, pause on it in position, mm -hmm. and then come up. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I just didn't – I don't know if it was because I, I popped out a rib too many times trying to do the, <laughs> the, the, the rock and roll type thing. Right. Uh, the raw then the raw people just needed to learn how to do the lifts, so it, sure we would just do a regular squat more than likely, and then if they did back offsets, sometimes to overload them at the top, so we would take that. So let's say if they did a you know up to a top three for that day, we'd back off ten percent, throw a couple chains on just to get them some feel at the top. Sure, um, just to get them to feel to because you know just a little bit more weight, so it might be a hundred and ten percent at the top just to give them a little bit more of that. Uh, benching would be the same, although, you know, when you're in gear, you're kind of working off boards quite a lot. Sure. So we would do – I just remember doing a lot of triples in the shirt. Um, I – when I did my best benching, I never liked – I never touched in training, but I never used the boards. Hmm. Um, and this was closer to the meat. What I would do is I would take it as far as I could in the first rep and then up. And then take it a little bit further, a little bit further. But I would, I would always be like an inch away. But I sure. knew in the meet, with all of the, the arousal and the energy or whatever, if I couldn't pull it in for, for, for an inch, I'm an idiot, right? Sure. Like, but at the same time, not – I don't want to say not touching 
I want to say touching and training is useless, but for me, I, I really like not getting excited during training. A lot of guys would be bashing their heads. I don't. I just never really believed in that. Sure. It was for me. That's why, the, like the everyday max is like, okay, where am I? Where am I at today? But I would always leave like one or two reps in the tank. So mm-hmm. if I tripled it, I knew I could do it for five, and I knew I can open with that. So that okay. would always will always be my indicator. Whatever I can triple, I can open with for sure. I know I can do it, and then from there, you're kind of picking. Okay, how did that feel? Yeah. I like to think of openers as something you could do hungover. Yeah, exactly. You should be, be <laughs> half dead, which I probably was most of the time. There you go. No sleep or nothing. I there mean, you go. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, that's how you should do an open. So we've we've gone over like a lot of different stuff, and honestly, there's a lot of great nuggets from from coaching, competing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just obviously, you've been around the sport for a while. What are your views on how the sports evolved since you got involved to you know taking a back seat for a little bit, and then now you know e- evolved a bit or more. devolved. <laughs> how has it changed? We'll How's it changed? How's it changed? Um, well, there's, there's, there's aside from Instagram, there's pot, that's, yeah, that's good... that, that whole thing. Um, oh, I guess it's a necessary evil for certain people running businesses. But sure, 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 sure. Um, how has it changed? Those only fans, but... Yeah, I mean, I think number one. So I'll, I'll go. Con, I'll go cons first, and uh, the things we were talking about uh, off air here. Oops, sorry. Um, I think a lack of appreciation for the history. Sure. And what came before. Um, I, I think, like for well, me, well, there was but, a history before two thousand. So yeah, well, and and that's the problem. I think a lot of the what's written now, like for instance, uh, Eric, Eric, we would always the coolest thing was waiting for that powerlifting USA to come out every mm-hmm. month, right? Right, and we would have to wait for it, and it was very special. Whereas now you can just look at Instagram, someone doing something, and like who cares? But I just remember reading all of those back issues of powerlifting USA. Uh, Milo, um, and, and uh, actually a guy who had a lot of them who passed away, Ron Fernando. Uh, and I, you know what? Damn it, I forgot. He wrote a book. I don't know if you guys had ever. I know I'm going on a tangent, but the Shield no of Goliath. I will, I will give it to you guys. You guys can read it, review it. Maybe we can get it back out there. But sure. Ron had, cool. Ron had like issues of powerlifting USA from like the freaking 70s. He had strength and health magazines from the 50s. And I remember mm-hmm. when I would go to his house and in. Uh, off of Orchard Road there to, to train him in his basement. And sometimes he wasn't done with his work, so a one-hour training session would turn into three. But I would be down in his library just checking all this stuff out. Right. And I was just like, wow, this is so super cool. And and when he passed away, his family gave me those uh, That's awesome. a lot of that stuff. So I, I don't cool. know, bring it here or something because they're just collecting dust right now. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, maybe we create a library of strength at 2XL. Because um, I, I think people, I, I think, you know, given given what I'm complaining about now, maybe if people dug through those, that wouldn't be as much of a problem, right? Sure, very possible. So a lack of lack of appreciation of history. Uh, two, I don't want to say, I think this, <laughs> people want to talk about what they want to about the judging standards, and you can't tell on YouTube, but I think... With just, the creation talk of talk about integrity for a minute, too, be fun. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think with, yeah, the the integrity of it, I think waned because everybody created their own federation because they were complaining about X, Y, or Z, mm-hmm. rather than um, just kind of all right. Like, yeah, you don't know what judging you're gonna get, but everybody's in the same boat, right? Everybody's in the same boat at the meets. So just just do the lifts correctly. Um, you know, I always look at it from like it'll, it'll look a higher level than powerlifting because, as you said earlier, this is a hobby, right? Yeah, yeah. We all pay we'll, to we'll do this. So, but let's take it all the way to because some people try to put this all. Oh, well, we're trying to legitimize the sport. 
it's not gonna fucking happen. How? how? What does that all. mean? What, how does what does legitimize mean? Is Be, what I would like. Yeah, to know. It, people fancy oh, themselves picks? as uh, the what? as the pioneers that were like these people that started the NFL, the NBA, whatever. Like, and that's great. Those started as hobby sports too. I'm not saying they didn't. Right. And you know, to me, nobody like if you step out of bounds and the VAR does not show that, and you still get the touchdown, or, or you know, you still get the home run. You're not giving it back. Right. You're not handing – oh, sorry. I'm, I'm going to give you back my Super Bowl ring and my check because I stepped out of bounds, but you guys didn't catch it because I'm honest and have integrity. Fuck you. you can't, I'm, I'm getting the bag, baby. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm taking all the glory, all the parades, all the rings. The call's the call. Yeah, right. The, the and call's like, the I, call. I play to the whistle. And mm-hmm. I, I can't remember who posted this recently. It was in the Multiply Facebook group. It said, I don't squat to death. I squat to white lights. Yes. Yeah. It's exactly what oh. you fucking do. Yeah, and if if you want to hold people to a standard, you hold the judges, not the lifter. Yeah, lifters can take whatever, and you should take whatever you can get. Yeah, I'm I'm all I'm all for that, um, for sure. Um, but I think a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of people kind of train crazy. That's not wrong. You know, like like if you, uh, I don't. So you, you talked about how <laughs> like, they kind of they're, they're nuts. They they train for the gram and not for the meat. Sure. So would that be another another aspect of the evolution or maybe de-evolution of the sport is it's it's become sometimes, I think, more important for lifters to have lifts on social media mm-hmm. versus lifts on a meet. Mm-hmm. And not that meets are the most important thing in the world. Yeah, but. And, and I can – yeah, I mean – I mean, I can think of some big guys like very recently who had huge numbers in their training cycle mm-hmm. running up to like to the current and then this couldn't quite pull it off at the right. biggest stage, which – I get that, and, and you know, to your point, that's how some people run their business. I don't, I don't want to knock that because I, I, I don't knock the hustle. But, again, where does the emphasis really, really lie? Yeah, right? I mean, if you're getting paid to do all that, like uh, who's that crazy guy that's on roller skates and he does – Oh, Huck Finn. That guy. So, like, <laughs> that's fine. If you want to do, like, the stunts or whatever and you're actually getting, like, paid sponsorship or yeah. whatever to do that. But cool. the thing is, if you're not, like, how sustainable is that? It's not very sustainable, is it? Especially if you want to, like, do, and that's a question you would ask. Do you actually want to do something in this sport, or do you just want to whatever the heck? Is, is it just like, Eric, you made a point on a podcast. Like, you see a lot of these newer lifters come and go, and they're in the sport for two years, and they're all over whatever, and then something happens, and then they go to jiu-jitsu, and then they go to, like, mortgage broking or something. It's like Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's an interesting progression, but, but that's the thing. You know, it's do not you, wrong, though. And it's not. And you know, by the time they're like, 40, they're sitting in a bar. You know, I used to lift weights. Yeah, exactly. It's, and, and, and to me, it's like, should you – when you get into it, you know, what kind of – I guess going back to a question I would, I would ask myself, my younger self, is what impact do you want to have? Sure. Uh, for me, that later on became to show kids the right way to mm-hmm. do it and get get them exposed. Because the reality is this: I, I do work with a lot of athletes, a lot of them high school athletes, a lot of them have have accomplished a lot. But the reality is, a lot of them will not go on. Well, if they do go on to a college sport, and then mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. What are we going to do now? But a lot of them have the this competitive mindset. Like, man, I I, I really like training. Um, I, I really like being physical. Yeah. You know, um, somebody said a quote, but, you know, powerlifting is a sport for the rest of us. And the thing is, like, your, your competitive window in, in all these other sports is very, like, very you know, finite. high school sports Incredibly is here, right? Incredibly finite. College sports is here, and then 
yeah. nothing after that. What are you going to do? Spartan races or whatever the heck else, which is, which is great. CrossFit, which is, which is, sure. is, is what it is. And I think we power the thing owes some of a debt of gratitude to getting, um, hundred percent like women exposed to it. Um, um, Mm-hmm. Other people that wouldn't have done it because we saw when we started, you know how how many how many women were at a meet versus like now. Well, we just a handful. We yeah. we've talked about too, Eric. That you know, CrossFit probably put a barbell in more people's hand than anything oh, yeah. else ever. For sure. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was um, and some of them, you know, it was a good uh, it was a good uh, starter kit or, or yeah. gateway drug or whatever. Yes, people Ga- call it. Ga- gateway gateway drug is a good way to put it. <laughs> so what we, we kind of talked about how you might progress yourself but mm-hmm. what advice do you give and what do you give to kind of the beginner power lifter when they want to get into the sport hey i've lifted some weights with you pete mm-hmm. i see you taking other lifters to the meet you know what what do i need to do what should i do mm-hmm. uh as far well the first thing we got to do is do the beginners meet at 2xl <laughs> oh, great plug God, we, we, we would have we would have died for that in our day, wouldn't we? I mean, I, I put on the event because I think high school Eric definitely would have di- benefited from yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I mean, because I came to the meet thinking bench was first <laughs> with gloves on. <laughs> what? Did lift with straps. No, no straps, but I did have gloves. Mike Sweeney told me to throw them on the garbage. <laughs> well, did they match your purse at least? <laughs> probably. Nice. No, it probably matched my uh, fanny pack. Ah, uh, Yes. But I mean, I look at Fanny. <laughs> so to me, it, and that's I'm 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 honestly saying that because because that's true. Like mm-hmm. we need to learn how to do this. Because I look back, my first meet, and I'm throwing up in the bucket. I'm barely wrapping my knees. Oh my god, I'm up. I'm yeah. freaking out. Sure, right? you are freaking out. <laughs> I'm going nuts. But um, to, to learn how to do that, so that's going to be if you honestly want to get into the sport. And what other meet director is doing that? I don't know that anybody is, and I, I've been trying. If anybody, well, what other federation? Is if anybody else like is listening to this and wants to do the same concept, I'm happy to help you with it because I, I feel like I'm screaming trademark. At the roof. It. Trademark. <laughs> yeah, it. I don't know if I can. Intellectual property. Hell yeah. Sure. Let's well, see. We just set up the the beginners meet and also the beginners meet director kit, yeah. where you send a couple judges and some. Uh, sure. Spotters, loaders. And, <laughs> yeah, the the meet the, the beginning meet directors is another thing. How many how right. many meets <laughs> we've seen over the years? I want to run a powerlifting meet. There's some dude walking I, up I, with a pair of jeans on and no singlet. It's like to the pitch. I will Someone's say this: tossing him a singlet. That that Jason Lawson <laughs> down in Kentucky probably did the best I've ever seen. He came here, mm-hmm. chatted with Eric, with myself. He he did all that stuff right as far as so like he did his research. Oh yeah, I mean he yeah. what two three meets he came up here. Mm-hmm. And then one to get his guys all all certified. So, but but See, to your that's po- going to the next level. But that's to your awesome. point about you know for the beginners meet, I think it's huge. I mean, I, every other sport really has like here's this beginner seminar, like you know golf or soccer or you know, come come oh. learn about this sport that we do. Yeah, power is like well you, you know show up to the meet, show up to the meet, or you know come to this gym and hopefully these enormous humans will scare the fuck out of you. <laughs> yeah. or, or, throw, or the throwing the uh, baby powder. In a yeah, you're, you're in my like in that. my monos. They tossed the hundred pound you know plate at you and you know, try well, to take your head off. But I do think back when you you and I started, Pete. You know, you and I kind of stuck out like sore thumbs, and mm-hmm. somebody you know like the guy at the gym you're training at would kind of put their arm around you and say, yeah. "Hey, but, let me show you the way." Yeah. Versus now, everybody's so new, and yeah. there's so many new lifters. You, you can't do it the same way. I mean, at my first meet, 
Maris kind of called me over the table and mm-hmm. yelled at me about a couple things. <laughs> had somebody wrap my knees for me. and Bless was a- you with the magic wand. Right. And, <laughs> and was able to kind of instruct me on some things. But right. you can't do that when there's 100 new lifters at a meet. Right. Yeah. And, and, to be, and to be perfectly honest, you know, I wasn't completely alone. I, I distinctly remember uh, Alan Amy Bear. Of course. And Rob Leone and Erwin Chang. Sure. Uh, you know, kind of guided me through all that, mm-hmm. which which mm-hmm. was just awesome. But normally, like I, I didn't, and I didn't ask him because I was a shy kid, a shy guy, and of course prideful, like oh, I, I'll get through it or whatever the hell. Sure. But, but they were just like, hey, because I was unsure about my depth. I'm like, is yeah. that good enough? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in a warm up room worried about my depth because yeah. sure, I don't have any training partners. So, yeah, that beginners meet is is huge. So that's step one. Let let's go sign up for that meet, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Step two. Here's how we're going to train. And it's just for for us. It's like um, it, it's just very basic. Like with the way, the, like I'll use Martyr because he's the most recent example. But it was just doing a lot of, again, training, training under and going over at the meet. So we didn't go anything above a three. And I used the same kind of philosophy, like a three RM, and then we'd base it off of that. And, and it seemed to work pretty good. Like she's, she's had a good right. run over the last six months, and brand spanking new to the sport. Just and I was telling her, do as many meets as you can in the early going um, mm-hmm. just so you get the practice of it down. And now she seems like she's got a pretty good grasp of it, and she'll be going to uh, <laughs> she'll be going to Ohio State in the fall. So nice. she, she'll be in the hubbub of, of some lifting there. Yeah, I don't know uh, if she'll try out for their team or maybe go to a, a local gym because you turn the corner, there's a powerlifting gym there. Not sure, But she'll know what she's – she and that's the thing. She'll kind of know what she's doing. I kind of spoil the kids on that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're going to do that – you know, make it, but also outside of the gym, make it, make eating correctly, getting your sleep, um, doing all the, any, any type of tissue work if you mm-hmm. need to do it. Make it, start making it a regular habit of, of, of recovering from your training. Correct. Yeah. Because yeah. that is a part of your training. Yeah. Recovery and restoration is a part of it. Mm-hmm. But get, but get used to that habitual structure. And if it's, you know, in that first year, if it's something that you want to do for the rest of your life, great, we got you. Yeah. If it's something you don't, hey, at least we learned something. But but do stay, you know, I tell these kids, do do, do something physical when, yeah. you're, when you're done because we're seeing all the health problems pop out and everything. But Definitely. those would be the two, like, like biggest things. Start, start treating yourself, even though it's not a, quote, unquote, professional sport, treat yourself as a professional. Yeah, sure. Right. Because that's, if anything, it just keep you from getting hurt. Yeah. And, and you, you made a good point earlier with, you know, the, I think you kind of skimmed over, but I think it's important, especially for young lifters, is to uh, to be humble and, and understand, like, there, there is, be patient, there is significant, because we, we do live in a society of very me first, and oh, look yeah. at me, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, because what we do is unique, and it's cool, and yeah, you mm-hmm. sh- people should look at it. But, but have an appreciation. Correct, because... Right. You know, having understanding your place in that universe, and m- maybe thinking that your place is indeed small, and then finding out later, oh, actually, no, I am doing big things. Yeah, that's probably the better way to go. Versus, I think I'm, you know, because how many people do we see that do this? I'm a state record. Holder. I'm a state record holder in the deadlift only, police and fire, because my dad was a police chief. Like, <laughs> no one cares, man. Right. I don't want to diminish what you've accomplished, right. but your 170 kilo deadlift at 275, like, it just doesn't do it for anybody. Right. And that's the thing. You got to kind of do it, I think, maybe especially the younger kids to get caught in comparing themselves maybe with other lifters that have already been established. Or, oh, yeah. 
getting a pissy contest. Or they contest. see on Instagram more likely. Yes. Right, right. Or that too. Yeah, right. So they want to they do that same thing. It's like, you got to understand. I, I saw Larry Wheels do this. Yeah, he also beats his <laughs> girlfriend. So, you know, we could do that too if you want. <laughs> oh, let's, let's switch gears a little bit on that note. Um, yeah. You know, we talked about it, Pete. When you and I started, there was no raw lifting. There was no oh, uh, raw no, division. It was yeah. just equipped. Yeah. So what is your view on the debate of raw versus equipped and having a raw division now? Is it a good thing? Do you wish we went back to the old days of all equipped? or? Um, so th- that's the – again, this being a hobby sport, I think having options is great. Uh, does it water down, though, the competition? Yeah, it does because – And that was always my concern when we were going to maybe start a raw division was that yeah. we already had so many divisions to begin with, APF, APF, age right. divisions, weight classes. Yeah, masters, and submasters. And now we're adding juniors. in different things right. you wear on your body. <laughs> right. So, I mean, and, and I would look at it as something like this. If Yeah, and they're kind of seen as different sports, and a lot of people will call them – to me it's just – all right, you're, to me it's all the same sport, Right. But I, uh, kind of going back to, like, a classification system, like, once you get a certain total raw, maybe, like, th- like do we have, like, elite totals mm-hmm. still, yep. right? Class 1, yep. class 2, all We that? do, but they're really only equipped. I'm actually working with our Canadian WPC president on using some of the statistics from open powerlifting and developing new one. classifications for raw, and classic, equipped. single, and multiply. Are, are you going to use the Jackie Stone uh, formula of, like, the rolling, like, I think that's maybe the next step. Um, her and Je- I her, like that a lot. Her and Jennifer Gimmel can put their math heads together. What, what, Basi- what, is, what is that? So basically, I mean, <laughs> a little bit of a tangent, but I actually think we might be able to do a whole episode on coefficients the more I think about it. Ooh, we could actually, oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, the coefficients were probably based on the best lifts at the time. Right. And you graphed each weight class, and they're and that, that elite total got yeah got right. easier over the years well, with all the care. Well, and, and they probably developed that that coefficient line based mm-hmm. on what the world records were at each weight class, and then plotting those. Mm-hmm. And so you're probably not it's not pound for pound, obviously, when you have a coefficient. It's basically how does your lift compare to what the best lifts are when they develop that line. Mm-hmm. And so Jackie Stone's idea was whenever there's a change in the world records, the coefficient should also change. And basically, you just have a rolling formula that it, it changes every year based on yeah. possibly new world records because there's always new data. I mean, Dave Hoff is now totaled 3,100. 30, 30, yep. You know, so he's totaled 3,100, and the Man. formula might change. Right. Um, or maybe it, maybe you don't change it wholly because he's an outlier. Or maybe you change it, it for the aggregate. Because, I mean, right. pe- people are – I mean, you see some of these raw numbers, like, jeez, man. Well, and, and you look cow, at – Everybody's getting strong. Well, and you look at somebody like Steffi Cohen, who had the highest Wilkes total ever, but was Wilkes developed with, we'll say, females that don't lift in the AAPF? Mm-hmm. And that's not to denigrate her lifts or her total, mm-hmm. but if you're comparing her data to it, data that's – apples to oranges, it's not the same. Right. And so, sure, her Wilkes is very high – but or whatever it is, dots, wilks, mm-hmm. whatever form you want to put in there. But is that comparable to the data it should be compared to? Mm-hmm. So that's the Jackie Stone yeah, rolling rolling world record well, I think formula. It, I think it should change it at the very least every year because I know you know in my work with swimmers, like the state cut gets uh, adjusted, it gets adjusted based yep. on sure yep. uh, you know, and I think track and, and field's the same. So I, and that's something actually you would look at too is like a third iteration is maybe not when the world records change, but also like as more and more folks inch closer to it. Obviously, that elite total has to go up because you already have folks that are 
almost at that level. Right. So you have more density within, you know, yeah. by the We line. are working on that. Because there should be something, yeah, I hate to interrupt you. I think there should be something special when someone gets an elite total. Like It should, it should be, be the top 5%. It shouldn't right. just be And anybody. then maybe you have like a, a, a raw elite, 1%. a single ply, and then a, a multi or whatever the heck. But right. the way I look at that system is unlimited, like. Unlimited, sir. You know, un- Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> What's unlimited mean? That's, I know. That's the band shirts. The rubber band oh, shirts. The, oh, those things. The slinger shirts. Yeah. Dude, yeah. What's up with those things? Like, <laughs> it's just. Eric's got some strong opinions on those. We got a whole episode on that. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I listened to it uh, going to St. Paul, doing a, doing a gig. But, uh, yeah, that's just nuts. Like, so, like, what would be the squat suit equivalent? I guess. I mean, I, I squat think. Squat buddy? It, no, you just, you, <laughs> you, you, you pull the, the slinger shirt up the legs and you just let it, let it do the squat. It I think, opens the team for I you. think at one point that the bench daddy guy, Mike Womack, actually made a suit out of knee wrap material and it was like $500. Wow. And there's only a couple of them made. Wasn't, isn't Mark Bell working I, on his power pants and something else? Sure. Power pants. So you, you see, just oh. to go back to, as, as we go off on many tangents, uh, yeah, we do. That's, so, fine. that's okay. But you see Ron equipped as mm-hmm. maybe a positive thing in the sport. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's a positive thing. It also can be used as a progression because it's like, to way, the way I see it is like, can you can a lifter be kind of good at all of them, which I think is super cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but also, like, <laughs> the stronger you get, uh, it's tough to be sh- – be strong for very long, I think, raw with nothing. Because, yep. I mean, what, what is raw? And honestly, what's the definition of raw? Because, like, there's some with knee sleeves, some without knee sleeves. Is it without a belt, honestly? Is it the no, no, no squats like the Olympic lifting guys? Yeah. yeah. Those guys are truly raw, in my opinion. Are you going to outlaw belt? You know, what What are you going to give and what are you going to take right. away? Like, uh, where do you parse that line? Because you, you're right. drawing it arbitrarily somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. So, sure, it's knee sleeves or is it no or is right. it knee wraps? And it's like everything gives something. Shoes give something. Yeah. Right, right. And I, that's why I don't like the raw, classic raw distinction because it's like if we're going to have something, I get it. Completely naked. Just, well, just or just say, sure, it's without I'm a squat suit or bench shirt. <laughs> It's without a bench shirt and a without a squat suit, and you can wear other stuff on you. Also, right. got a silent death call for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember, I remember a long time ago. Uh, I think Jason was interviewed for something, Patrick, and he was talking about. They were talking about, you know, at the time because there was controversy with the gear and the, and the drugs and everything. He goes, "Well, either give them, give them all the drugs and no gear, or give them all the gear and no drugs." And he, that's how you would justify it. I'm like, so either all external or all internal. Gear. Yeah, yeah, Got exactly. It. Got it. But right. I was like, what? I mean, to me, it's just, yeah. If you want to, if if you want to be a lifter, look for look for that progression. You know? Okay. And you can and you okay. can. And what what was it too with like the the, um, the IP? What's the one USAPL IPF? IPF. Yeah. IPF. So I think IP freely. <laughs> I was watching the documentary about a that's Swedish lifter. But isn't it like in Europe, like the, like the IPF or the USAPL is huge and raw, but then overseas, like everybody else is like the single ply. I think it's uh, even like over- that's that's more popular right. than the raw. I think overseas, even it raw is becoming very big. Yeah, oh, it is. But now? yes, overseas, I think because of especially because in some countries, that's all you can have is the IPF. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all that there was for many, many, many years was single ply. So I think that's why it was right. so big. Right, so but they're still using single ply gear, which today yep. is, yep. as we discussed, like way the hell better than what it used to right. be yes. with right. the ace, right. ace knee bands Su- and superior, what, <laughs> yeah, superior suits, <laughs> whatever the hell it was. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Pete, you've uh, as you talk about the progression, I think about some of the progression of some of the athletes you've had through mm-hmm. the years, mm-hmm. um, and you've, I would say, probably brought more 
female lifters to meets than males are at least equal. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that there has been such an increase mm. in women's powerlifting when you and I started what was basically Sydney, Amy Bear, and Jackie Stone. <laughs> and Jackie Stone. And that was it. And now you mean Maris in retirement already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maris <laughs> occasionally with her uh, you know, magic wand and wig. Yeah. And now you could have literally an entire day of females. Yeah. Um which is which is super cool. I think one is just uh, we discussed before. I think CrossFit was huge with that because they were huge, right? Huge. Um, also, I just think today, you know, there, there's like a double-edged sword of today of, you know, they talk about toxic masculinity. Well, guys have been kind of shut down. Well, let's raise the women. Let's make the women unafraid, which I think is is a great thing. Let's mm -hmm. let's expose you. They, I just think women are just more are less fearful of doing something that's traditionally mm -hmm. they feel more uh, empowered, a male dominated sport. a male dominated type of mm -hmm. which I, I think has been great because really uh, like Marta was even asking that, me about like powerlifting I go the, the beauty of this sport is is anybody can literally do it and, and this dawned upon me when I took a group of those kids out to uh, Grand Rapids I think Ezra Salmon was running them mm -hmm. uh, that meet but mm -hmm. we had seen special Olympics athletes yep we, I saw. I think I saw an old man with a walker go up and deadlift or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And then you had women. You had older women, younger women, moms, teachers. It mm -hmm. didn't matter. They were all on this. No matter what size you were, all on the same platform, competing, doing the same thing. Sure. What other sport does that? None. Yeah. None. They're not. They're, and so in that regards, powerlifting is, is all inclusive. It's either mm -hmm. you, you get the it's lift universal. or you freaking don't. Yeah. Like there's no there's no way around it. There's mm -hmm. no way around. Um, you know, you can't argue, well, I, I came up with it 90% of the way, and then my grip popped. You just give it, no, no. It, no. You got to stand up with it. You got to complete the squat. I got the live that just didn't give it to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, are there occasional gimmies here and there? Yeah. But, you know, as, as Marta had found out, you know, the beginners meet, judging, I don't say lackadaisical. It, 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 it was just... They're not gonna let you bomb out. It's it's not a world. They're meet. gonna teach you. It's yep. a, it's a teach. Yeah, you. They're exactly. gonna teach you how to do this. State me tightened up a little bit more. <laughs> she got called for her butt coming up off the bench. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I go that I told you that was gonna happen. Mm -hmm. I go now we go out to Gatlinburg. It's gonna be even tighter. Yep, sure. Just just you know with um, uh, was it Mike and Mike and, Mike and Beverly? Great judges, great judges, and Liz too. Liz is awesome. Yeah, Liz. Liz yeah. Nathuda from Texas, yeah. and then yeah, also just, from Texas, Mike and Beverly McDaniel. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, very good judges. Viva, Viva La Texas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but just but just but just good, solid judges, awesome people, mm -hmm. and and yeah, no agenda, and and they'll help you out too. Like if you ask them, it's just awesome. And at the world beat, I'm sure it's going to be even. I'm sure it's going to be even tighter, which is fine. Mm -hmm. It's the way it should be. There, sure. There's got to be a little element of I may fail. Yeah, so you're yeah. up on your top of your game, but the progression. Uh, that she was able to do because of, because of your first uh, your learners what is it called beginners meet beginners meet our intro to powerlifting intro to powerlifting meet she was able to kind of experience that without mm -hmm. really big ramifications where yeah. you know I go, I drive out to Saco Maine with my folks <laughs> you know a fourteen fifteen hour trip and Yikes. I bomb out and I'm pissed off for the rest of my life you know kind of deal yeah. um, right whereas before if I would have had that progression kind of knowing or hey uh -huh. you know. 
have this packed up when you go up there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, did, we I was, did a whole I was trying to do that. too much too soon. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but looking back, yeah. Uh, thank God we got what we have now. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So you alluded to it a little bit earlier, you know, and as we're getting, you know, fairly close to the end here, we've got a couple more questions. But mm-hmm. uh, what's your view on PED use, performance enhancing drugs uh, in powerlifting and strength sports? Hmm. I'll revert to Ernie's quote in one of his earlier uh, versions of his book. It's mm-hmm. a tool of the trade, I believe he said. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, you know, because I, I had my run with it, obviously. Sure. And I was definitely irresponsible with the use. I'll just go out and say that. Yeah. I don't. I don't mind admitting that now. We appreciate it, that because that's that's tough for many people to admit. Yeah, yeah, and it, and, it, and it and that was that was one thing on top of other things that led to the issue. It wasn't right. the thing. Like like everybody wants to have the the single excuse. Not according to our Lord and Savior, Sleepy Joe. <laughs> exactly. Every well, and that's the thing these days. Everybody wants to the, the, to be instantly gratified or instantly justified, right? Everybody wants that single reason for something happening. It's like no. Could it con- did it contribute? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, in a large way, probably yes. Sure. Um, if, if you're going to do that stuff, fine. Know the risks. Sure. Know what could possibly happen later. Is if is if you have plans of doing X Y Z later, is it going to affect that? Like you honestly mm-hmm. have to go through that inventory. Mm-hmm. And if you are going to use it, you use it responsibly. Like I, I think now, to be honest, like the, the what is a PED now? Well, back then it was you know, the juice. Now, mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but a lot of the juice is passe. A lot of people are getting nootropics and ner- nervous system stuff that, mm-hmm. to, sorry, you know, as we know, the brain controls everything. Mm-hmm. The brain controls strength much more than, you know, muscular force from, you know, and, and from from PEDs. Because typically the PEDs, I think, affect strength in an indirect way. Mm-hmm. And I recently read a book called The Penlay Method. And even though if you're not into weightlifting or whatever, I would still encourage people to read it. But Glenn Penlay, who passed away, great Olympic lifting coach, mm-hmm. was actually a powerlifter before that. Penlay Rose. Yeah, Penlay Rose, you know, the, mm-hmm. the dead stop from the floor. Yeah. Uh, but he had made a really great point about, um, about drugs because uh, he trained uh, alongside of uh, – or he trained with uh, – who's the Bulgarian coach? Uh, Abadjev, mm-hmm. and the philosophy of the Soviets was kind of like let the drugs do the work. So the drugs—that's why they were big on technique, is because the drugs can make them stronger. Right. Glenn Hannes said the American lifters—we don't have that. We actually have to train to get stronger. Right. So, in a lot of ways, you can use them. You can use them properly. I mean, if it's—and that's the thing—in in our league, mm-hmm. we have two versions. We have the one where it's drug testing, and I mm-hmm. think we have the most. Does the APF not have the most stringent drug uh, policy where if you test positive, you're out for life? We do, yes. Yeah. Right. That, to me, no other federation has that. And then you have the APF. So the guys who got popped in the APF just called it graduation. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we would joke about. But I, So I, I competed in both. So early on, I was an APF guy. But I knew when I made the switch, mm-hmm. I was going to make the switch. And I, and I told – because uh, I would run into guys at AAPF meets, and oh, how come you're not doing this meet? I go, it wouldn't be right of me to do so. <laughs> yep. And so, I was just honest, and he, yeah. they're like, "Man, thank you for your honesty." I can't, mm-hmm. I can't knowingly go up on the platform knowing that that's yeah. what I'm doing. But hey, you know what? I'm winning with the big boys now. That's that was but my hey, choice. If you're doing it for IPF glory, it's okay. IPF glory, right? And that's the thing. Like, are those guys getting paid at that level? No, 
There's no so yeah. So what's the like? What in one sense, who cares? In the other sense, is why? Why do you want to do it then? Right. You know, you, you, Gold like, standard. Right. Right. Whatever it may be. And, and <laughs> to me, each their own. If you want to do it because you want to push your push your levels to that, good. But like again, how I learned the lesson in sustainability. How sustainable it. Sure. Well, and you saw a guy like Ernie Franz who used for, for probably yeah. the better part of his adult life from the eighties on. Right. Um, so, ha- but when how old was he when he when from the eighties on? Right. Yeah. How old was he though? He was a little older. Fifties, right? right? He was probably already in his fifties at that so, point. Yeah. yeah. So biologically, probably qualified. For, sure. Sure. For it, right. Yeah. So, do you think that a lifter can use PEDs and stay healthy and not, you know, wake up one day and start peeing blood? Yes. Um, okay. Yeah, but the, you're going to need to obviously be on top of your stuff. Like the stuff I know now about my blood work and everything, I wish I would have paid attention to it back then or even sure. knew it. Um, but, yeah, if you can pay attention to your blood work, also uh, consulting with a physician who's open to it, to managing it for you. Because, I mean, mm. every good physician should should not tell you what you can't do, but tell you what you can do and how to deal with it, right? So there was a who's that who's that doc out east that kind of does that concierge service? Um, I'm not sure. Tom no. O'Connor is that his name? Hmm. The, he used to be the anabolic doc. Now he's the metabolic doc. Oh, okay, oh, I do know what you're talking. But, about. but I've he did. Heard he of, he yeah, actually but. did a a free clinic at uh, the Overkill Gym at one time, and I like Brock was there. A few other guys were there, but he huh. was he huh. was very insightful on you know because on the use of peds and he doesn't tell guys no he just says uh just be aware be aware i think he had an interview with joe ladnier about it because joe was having some problems for uh, a while that he didn't even know about yeah um but he, he kind of gives you some insight on how to manage it and, and, and he's honest about the risk yeah it could it could do this uh, i would like to have known how exactly ernie did it like how much what he was doing because back mm-hmm. then it was back I think in that period it wasn't as potent as the stuff is now, I, especially I, if you're getting them off the street. Like I do know, <laughs> you got to go well, through your doctor to get good. Well, stuff. he was actually getting stuff from a supposedly from a college down by St. Louis for a while, and they yeah. were okay. So from actual they were, doing, they were doing a study. We we talked about this a little. They were doing a study and then looking when, at his blood work. And, yeah, it was supposed to be a long term study too, wasn't uh-huh. it? Like yep. years and years. And then when the see that would be awesome if everybody had was enacted, they like stopped everything. Yeah, he yeah. was just told okay. It was immoral. To... I, I do think he cycled. I don't think he was you know taken on all the time. I don't think yeah. he was on all the time, or God. if he was, it was you know a smaller amount and then Cru- cycle. Cruise up. blast, cruise blast, <laughs> cruise yeah. blast. But when you're blasting, you're blasting yeah. with everything under the sun. Yes, that would like be that five, would... five grams a week. So that problem. probably wouldn't be the right way to use PEDs for sustainability. Shot- yeah, it was called shotgunning back in the day. No, you don't want to do that. Or and that's the thing you you want to. The key is like I think you got to know with anything you got to know exactly what you're getting. Yeah. Um, because there's been stuff, <laughs> guys growing abscesses. Yep. Like, no, no bueno. Right. Yeah. You don't. You don't want to. You're playing with fire if honestly you're not going the route of getting some sort of real medical advice mm-hmm. or or some somebody that's like like if Ernie were still alive, you know, picking his brain yep, on exactly sure. what was what yep. because. You know, that was a real live example. Yeah, definitely. Fire well, warning well, it hot. Maybe our last question for you, Mr. Royo, is will you ever make a return to the platform? <laughs> it's important. Oh, you know what? To be honest, I, I, I want to, and I get the itch. That's why I text you, hey, do you know, they, they allow reverse grip benches? Because that's really the only way I could yes. bench yeah. full range yep. without pain. Um, but my, my 
the price I paid orthopedically, like my, my one shoulder is just really bad. My mm-hmm. right shoulder is really bad. Um, so there's there's that. You know, what am I risking physically? Sure. Uh, two, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do the same weights I used to. Yeah. Sure. Which is, it's hard to kind of, because as soon as I get the guy, didn't you used to? Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Shut up. You know, it's like, but do Just I want remember, to? remember, Jordan used to drop 30 a night, too. He doesn't anymore. Right, right. and he, But he's like 60-something or whatever the hell, you know. But Trying to help you out here, PD. Yeah, I know. Do I want to? <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. It, it, and it would. The thing is, though, you know, I'm back to square one when I began. I'm training alone. Sure. So doing it, uh, and obviously I would, I would wear unlimited gear or, or multi, <laughs> what is it called? Multiply well, gear. Well, multiply and then unlimited is one right. step. I would have to relearn slider. that, but it would be something like very, like maybe, maybe I wear a single ply brief, a single ply suit and some wraps, mm-hmm. you know, cause I don't, I, my strength isn't, I'm not strong enough to justify getting in my old overkill stuff, like sure. on that, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm just gonna take whatever I have and give it to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I don't know if I'll ever be there again. Cause we're talking like, I mean, dude, just to even, you got to be squatting eight, nine hundreds, even just to start training in it. I mean, sure. the benches, I remember <laughs> hitting, hitting seven, seven fifty in training, mm-hmm. sure. double yeah. in the bench press. Um, you know, my deadlift sucks. So I'm not going to tell anyone about that. But, womp womp. <laughs> no, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. I'm hook gripping it now. Um, but. Yeah, yeah I, I, like, mean, I like my thumbs. We'll, we'll not do that. Yeah, just tape them up. I'm, I mean, again, I'm not. Oh boy, we got a whole talk about that. We'll 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 tie that up another episode. But... I've, I've got the ultimate trump card on why you should hook grip with this fucking scar on my arm. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah well, I, I'm not. I'm not lifting the weights you're lifting either. I just choose so. to fucking do it. Yeah. Um, so you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe I, if I, I didn't hear no. I mean, I that's the, that's no. the thing. You know, when when I lost all the weight, my business tripled and life got sure. better in that way. Yeah. So it's like. Yeah. To me, when I first started, the way I can sum it up was I was a lifter that supported his lifting habit by training people. Now it's the opposite. Sure. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a businessman, trainer, coach, whatever the heck you want to call it, that uses lifting to keep his sanity and his health. Sure. So I, I, I'm Is lifting. there a happy medium there, I guess, is maybe the question you yeah. have to ask yourself. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the way I would have to do it. Honestly, excuse me, I would have to find a reason to do a meet, <laughs> one, uh, find a way to train for it uh, amiably. Maybe I, I visit you guys on occasion. There's a great gym here in Lombard. They do oh, Lombard yeah. meets as well. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. yeah, they do Lombard meets all the time. Yeah. No, no, but one, you guys got December, fit. actually. <laughs> maybe I might dawn something for that. Maybe it'll be my retirement meet. There you go. Or something like that. But Because um, I still – you know, that's the thing. I, I miss training with the group a little bit. Uh, you know, I was here in the early going, and, and then Eric had kicked me mm-hmm. out because I didn't do a meet. He, Wrong. He he took old Yeller out to the shed and, and put a bullet <laughs> in him. Um, I'm just kidding. It's Yikes. just a joke. But I, I was – I mean, it was fun training with you guys yeah. on Friday nights and occasional on, on, on the weekends and everything. And mm-hmm. I, I missed that a little bit. But also, you know, it, you, you're in the same business I am. We're, we're always working when, when other people aren't. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and usually, yeah. like, I'll have – you know, the times you guys train, I usually have clients. So sure. it's tough to pass that up when it's – especially now when we've been shut down for so long. Sure. It's like, jeez, yeah, no, man. Holy you. cow. But do, uh, if I get enough of a bug and maybe people bother me, I might jump in there and do something something easy. Here, here's all uh, – just my way of asking, and then we can, we can <laughs> leave you with a bit that. Think about your last meet. Oh, God, yeah. I didn't okay. go out on top. Right. Uh, that was a bomb, I believe, sir. Well, so so what? I, at least that's what the open powerlifting. It said. was it wasn't a bomb. I, I I made one squat. 
I got hurt and I discontinued. Oh, okay. So it technically yeah. wasn't a it wasn't a bomb by I missed a lift. It uh, was I couldn't no mas. I, yeah. And Rudy was like even telling me like my knee was like this. Yeah. Mm. And he's like, see if you can just bench three fifteen. And I I tried to put my leg back. I was like, nah, it's, it feels like it's gonna rip, man. I can't Ugh. do this. If and that was that meet that Henry Thomason and Yaron yep. Bash and, mm. and I was like I, I was so sad not to finish it. And then the car ride home with Steve Wagner and Jose with my leg out the door like this <laughs> was, just, was just was just horrible. When, um, whenever yeah, I, I did not go on a top. Whenever I think about like how, how I want to write my story, mm-hmm. I think back to the 2020 WPO semifinals and Dave Kirchin taking his last deadlift and telling Eric right beforehand, this is the last lift of my career. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then he walks off into the crowd, hugs his family. It, it, man, if, if every one of us could have the ability to write your own ending. Right. If you want to get the bug, to me, it's we watch that video. If that, if that doesn't give somebody the bug, like, yeah, you're done. Yeah. Your wood's wet. Because yeah. that, that, <laughs> that to me is like that's how we should all want to go out on our own terms. Absolutely. I write the ending. I get to have that last moment in the sun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would um, – in powerlifting, you can kind of do that because you, you can, can if you spot. want. You can pick your spots. You know, other sports, you, you really can't in a lot of ways. So I'm just saying, um, write your ending, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll do something in the 220s, AAPF. You know, just see what I can do again, maybe. A couple meets a year just to have fun. Yeah, there you go. Because uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, <laughs> my shoulder's pretty worthless. I don't I, I don't even know if I can bench. Uh, Dude, well, to- token, to, token bench? Token bench. Yeah, no problem. That's the thing. I can't do that. Like, like in the, being a purist, I can't take a token. Like, it, it's got to be. Then chip the token. No problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something. I don't know. Sure. I yeah. would have to do something close. I would have to find some sort of way that especially a bench shirt would would definitely cause his shoulder a lot of pain sure um, mm. i would have to find a way maybe the reverse grips to key there i don't know mm-hmm. um a squat suit wouldn't be that hard mm-hmm. a briefs is i train in briefs all the time sure uh and a deadlift suit is whatever the heck it is i can't deadlift anyway like i said there so, you go and i'm hook gripping so you know if i get if i get 500 i'll be lucky you know mm-hmm. that would be mm-hmm. a lucky deadlift for me um but maybe we'll see man i mean that's not a no <laughs> It's, it's not a no. It's, it's not a no. Maybe if I can, I can, uh, like you said, get get. I get the itch, but I just don't get. The, but the itch goes away after, like, oh crap, my shoulder. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's why mm-hmm. I'm not doing it anymore. I, yep. I would like to, but it would have to be seeing where my orthopedic health is at. Anything else to add, Mr. Arroyo? Oh man, not at this time, unless you got any any other things to bounce off me. But uh, to any of you uh, young lifters, man, just take your freaking time. Don't get caught into the rat race and, and lift for your own lift for your own selves and where you're at. Yep. That's about all I can say. Okay. Awesome. Well, good advice. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking some time with us, Pete. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you, information about your company, you on the socials, any of those things you want to mention? Uh, yeah, Instagram, the, I think it's The Performance Inspired Training, uh, and then The Pit Pete at, on Twitter. Okay. At the pit oh, Pete, nice. something like that. Underscore, it might be underscore. I don't remember. I'm not really huge. I'm not a huge social media presence sure. guy. Gotcha. Sure. Uh, I think I have a Facebook page. <laughs> it's on there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it would be anything performance inspired training or the pit. Okay. The PIT, rather. Um, outside of that, I, yeah, I don't really put anything personally out there. I just don't like airing that stuff. It's all, sure, any sure. of that stuff is business related. But uh, okay. yeah, I would love to see you know any lifters asking asking advice and stuff it, it, and it's been great coaching the lifters here and kind of getting back into it a little bit from being so far away yeah sure um because it is it is my i think i have a knack for coaching mm-hmm. i agree lifters decently <laughs> mm-hmm. and seeing all types but uh 
We, yeah. We appreciate you coming through, man. And our first in-person interview. That oh. we, we've we've not done a, a in, other than than really uh, we, we did have, we have one but yeah you're you're the first we've done since the lockdowns well definitely since the lockdown yeah yes. I'm not so. far from you guys man anytime yeah. you guys want to uh, shoot we, the shit on anything we and, appreciate and it man Thank I love you. I love talking training as you can see because it's yeah. uh, I would love to go into more how the, the conjugate system is more of an athletic based Maybe training another conjugate Q and A yeah, <laughs> yeah we absolutely. could I'll, I'll do that love man it. I'm not Maybe we could do ooh, we do the Facebook live one. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. cool. Whatever you guys want to do, man. I'm down it. the street. I love it, man. All right. Well, thanks so much, Pete. Thanks, Pete. Thank you, guys. All right, Mr. Bain. There was our guy, Pete Royale. And I, I didn't mention Royale. The, of the Royale Power Team. I didn't mention that. But uh, at one point, uh, I, I believe we had the monolith that is still at Jacked Hardcore Gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Ernie Franz did one of his last meets. And it was on that monolith, the oh, Jacked nice. Hardcore monolith. Nice. and. At the end of the meet, Pete asked Ernie to sign the monolith. Oh, that's cool. And he that's signed cool. it to the Royale Power Team. <laughs> and he spelled it like, you know, like the Royale with cheese yes. from, uh, what's that movie? Uh, with. Is it Good Burger? No. No, not um, Good Burger. It was uh, a movie that everybody loves with uh, Quentin Tarantino made. Oh, um, I couldn't tell you because I don't uh, watch his shit. <laughs> I don't either, but it, it, it was one of those Quentin Tarantino movies where they're talking about how. The double quarter pound with cheese in Europe is called the Royale with cheese. So that's how he spelled nice. the Royal. And it wasn't even the Royal Power Team. It was like, you know, the jacked hardcore power corpse. Yeah. But Ernie wrote on there, the, to the Royal Power Team, you know, best Ernie Franz. I believe that still is at jacked hardcore gym. I think they maybe even had it, like, laminated. Oh, that's cool. Um, so that's where we always joke with him about the Royal <laughs> Power Team. Um, but, yeah, I think some interesting insights from Pete, a guy who was – Really big into the sport around that mid to late 2000s when equipped lifting was really at its peak. Yeah. And was was running with some of those big dogs like Jason Patrick, a guy we haven't talked a ton about, but was a big Franz lifter at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Put up some big numbers. And, you know, one of those instances where, you know, the health got caught up with him and he just had to to make a change. Yeah. Had to make some decisions and not all those are going to be easy or fun. Yeah. And it's interesting. One of our hot topics was should – you know, steroids be promoted in powerlifting. I don't think Pete would say he promoted steroids. No. Um, I think he was honest about his consumption, his, his, his experience. His experience. And I think, if anything, his if he would talk about it with somebody, if they asked him, I think he would be, and I, I think he would be totally honest and would say, you know, there's a, just with anything, there's a, there's a cost-to-benefit analysis of that, mm-hmm. and you've got to weigh those two items and – um, I, I don't want to speak for Pete, of course, but I, uh, knowing him well, I think he would probably be honest about with somebody if they wanted to, to know about it and would say, go in with eyes wide open, certainly. Yeah, uh, agreed. Well, Mr. Bain, um, what do we got coming up? Um, we've probably got some more interviews coming up. Where, mm-hmm. you know, it's always a, a scheduling kind of issue with you and I. I mean, you've got, obviously, a, a real job that makes you uh, real money. Yeah, sure. Um, I've got uh, the busy schedule here, uh, but now my schedule started to calm down a little bit with Jacob done with wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have some other interviews we're looking to schedule. Um, coming out of this, this, this interview, though, a couple of topics that came to, to mind we kind of talked about and kicked around. One was maybe doing an uh, episode on coefficients. Yeah, I think, honestly, that would be a great one to maybe bring uh, Jackie back in and, and talk to her about talk, it, just being given her experience. Talk or, about the maths. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, talk about the, the Jackie Stone you know, formula idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, we could call it the stone coefficient. There you go. The revolving stone coefficient. Um, 
And, you know, uh, Pete talked a little bit about the, the Rolling Stone. The Rolling Stone coefficient. There you go. Oh, we've, we've there it booked is. that. Patent it. Patent Let's it get now. It. Copyright that. <laughs> um, we talked about the beginner's meet. Uh, we talked about the beginning of the episode. Maybe that's a concept we can talk into how we developed that concept and how it's evolved over the years yeah. and, and what our experience has been with new lifters and how we think maybe that's a concept that can yeah. go on the road. Maybe how, how people can duplicate it. Yeah, I, yeah, and if anybody is interested, please email me. I, I and I've put this out a couple times to APF state chairman meet directors. I don't put it out because I'm looking to make a bunch of money. Now, mm-hmm. if you want to use my PowerPoint that I've developed, I would probably ask for a small fee for that because I've put a lot of work into it. And sure, I think my work it's is in, worth something. It's intellectual property. And if you want to use it, hey, here's a small fee. I'll even give you my advice on how to set it up. Okay. Maybe somebody would like me to come out and teach it. I'd be willing to do that again for a little bit you know, higher fee. Um, and again, I don't say that because I looking to be a, have a big speaking tour circuit that I mm-hmm. want to go on. Um, but I do think that if somebody wanted to duplicate our concept and maybe we're willing to invest in somebody like myself coming out and doing that seminar one time, if you saw me do it, I think then you could then reduplicate that for future. And whoever on your staff could probably you know, implement that. You don't need to bring me out every time. It would be one time. Right. Have me consult, have me speak, and then you continue to yearly, you know, like us, two times a year, um, continue to duplicate that concept. Definitely. Um, Highly recommend. And then it sounds like even after our Plusa throwback, we got maybe another concept. Talk about the 1998 takeover attempt yeah. on the WPC. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago, maybe go even further back and go into the formation of the APF. Yep. Um, I think would be an interesting one to look into. I concur. Um, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and leave us feedback on the Instas um, or the Face pages. I think yeah. Insta probably seems to be a little easier. I'll tell you what, the business like login or thing they have on Facebook right now is like very cumbersome and, and complicated. And like, yeah, they're trying to confuse the Russians. I'm not a fan. I, I don't like it at all. Um, and I, it's not that I love Instagrams. Uh, interface, but it's very easy. Yeah, very user-friendly. And Facebook, it just seems like they've way overcomplicated it. I concur. Um, check out our merch store, and I think we talked about maybe doing a giveaway. Yeah, I think I've, I've got it all kind of figured out. Um, you know, basically take pictures of yourself with uh, the Strength and Anger merch, and we will give away a free uh, wrong T-shirt. And if people want, we'll even sign it. Okay, uh, let's we'll put that on social media, yeah. the full details, once we get it all worked out. But if you're interested in any of our merch, you can check it out. The link tree is in our bio. You can get some Strength and Anger merch. You can get some 2XL merch. Yeah. Midwest Side. Midwest Side merch, the ever-popular Maximus Stone uh, T-shirt. Mm-hmm. And if, even if you want a shirt that says, I got this at the Lombard meet. They, they are available. They are available. We might, do a, we might do a run of those in person for the uh, AWPC Worlds. And are, and are we going to do a, uh, some more mega shirts for the Midwest Crypt? Uh, so those, those are popular, too. Yeah, those are popular as well. I could put those on the link tree. That's not a complicated uh, screen. It's basically just... Make it equip lifting great again. Yep, and then mega. And then, and then our 2XL logo and then hashtag mega on the back. Mega. Um, yeah, we could probably do a run of those as well for the Minnesota Equipped Open. I was thinking maybe we will at least maybe tweak the design this year. Yeah, um, just a little bit. Yep. Anything else to add, Mr. Bain? That's all I got, man. All right. With that, this is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and anger. <laughs>